Hey, is this thing on? Lance, Nick, ready? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Live Free and Hunt podcast. Alrighty then, Lifrin Hump Podcast, episode twenty-six, and guess what? It's it, turkey season. It was a great podcast. We had uh, Ed Ash and Edward Ash, father and son. Yeah, and uh, Edward, the father, was telling some great stories, hunting tactics, and uh, Ed being a champion, uh, national, yeah, national, calling national champion, calling champion was just great here, having him uh, display some of the calls that. He has in his uh, case, and it was just all around good. A lot of hunting tactics going on in this one. A lot of call tactics going on, and we're definitely looking forward to having him back uh, here in midseason to uh, give some updates on what's what's working for them. Uh, it's it's well, getting what's close. Work for them. It's yeah. getting close. The first part of this podcast, we kind of just kind of shot the shit. Uh, second part of this podcast, after the pee break, if you guys can uh, hang tight. Uh, we got into more tactics and calling sequences, and uh, but don't don't yeah. skip out on that first part. There, no, there's a lot it's of, good. There's a lot of good tips and some stories. Good he has stories. And, uh, we we just get to we just get a good uh, visual on what these guys are all about. These just some great guys that live up north and that seen a lot, and done a lot. So we are we're pumped. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Deck of cards that loves to lose You don't listen to me And I don't want you to Cause we sure have fun Throwing my money away You bet high I bet low You're all in and I'm all broke Another paycheck down the drain all right, uh, Live Free and Hunt podcast, episode 28, 29, 30. I don't know which one 20, it is. 20, yeah, something. It doesn't matter. Let's go around the table. Who we got? Uh, Lance. Uh, Tyler. Ed Ash. Edward Ash. Ooh, here we go. We're going to talk father some turkeys. And son. Yeah, father and son. Oh, yeah. We're going to uh, get in some uh, turkey talk. It's the most turkey season, but a month away, even less than a month away now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've been seeing birds on the sides of the road going to work they're still kind of in big flocks around here you know oh, big time. lots of hens yeah but every morning they're out there and it's coming good population of jakes this year too i've been noticing yeah. a lot of birds i've just seen has been jakes i it, it's gonna be a good year it's gonna be a fun year you're gonna hear a lot of action in the woods i think right yeah right. Well, now this so, is the kind of year i like to um find a bunch of neighborhood kids that really don't have an opportunity to get out because when they can get out there and get into a bunch of jakes and they're all going nuts and they're making the, and they're gobbling and everything, whether they kill one or not really doesn't matter. It's just a, a fact that that's something that they've never ever heard. Right. And um, to be up close in the woods with up, that, uh, exactly. Oh, yeah. you know? Hear that ground shake. Yeah. And sometimes exactly. it's more than just turkeys. You go out and you see all kinds of activity oh. with owls, moose, deer. 
They're it's all unbelievable. Everybody's coming out of the we, woodworks. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Tucking out my cousin before when we've had raccoons one by his feet. We're like, holy smokes, what is that? Pitch blackout still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just been good. But uh, yeah, let's get right into this, though. Uh, we definitely want to hear how you guys are brought up hunting. Um, we'll start off with you first, Edward. And Well, um, since I was a little kid, um, much like a little bit of today, you know, I wasn't always into learning about the outdoors. I was the average kid where you just sit in your house and you play video games and goof around, stuff like that. But what happened was my dad has always been into the outdoors since he was a kid. And, you know, when I look at the outdoors, when I looked at it back then, it was always intriguing to learn about what the wildlife is like. But whenever you watch the TV shows, the movies, and those educational videos at school, you often wonder how it must be like in real life. People think that, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just something you watch on TV every day. But when you're actually out there... It's a different story. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a hell of a different story. Yeah. And you're so when I started out there, um, my dad took me when I was like, what, four or five years old, took me on my first fishing derby where I caught a whole bunch of fish and learned the experience. Now, I technically didn't start hunting until I was like nine, but I think when I started at five years old, my dad's been taking me out years ago um we used to have english setters for dogs they were some of the best bird hunting dogs ever and i would watch him harvest woodcock rough grouse even uh snowshoe hares and when i was young i wasn't always into it because you know i was just getting into video games and toys and all that but the more i watched it and the more we went to different places it was like a whole different world you go out there and you learn the experience and how it is and it's just unbelievable to what the outdoors can bring you so when i was nine he took me on my first hog hunt when um it was in april and took us out on a popular place i don't think they have it anymore in new york but um when i was young i shot my first boar and that was a pretty good experience <clears throat> so when we went out and we hogged hunt um in the next decade a couple times it's always something to learn about but after that when may came around it was the beginning of an era for my dad and i um he would take me out bird hunting with the turkeys and i wasn't necessarily um you know thinking at that point that i won't be able to get a turkey but you know we gotta at least try so we gotta work hard for it when i started turkey hunting with my dad um the turkeys when i first watched them on tv I remember the old days. I mean, I remember watching it on VHS when that was still a popular. HS yeah. Strut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. HS Strut. I've met <laughs> yeah. some of those guys. Uh, HS Matt Strut, Marrett. Will Primos. Yeah. And they make pre- it look so easy. Oh, man. You can see <laughs> all west. They, they, they're always coming in on a string. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. time. All the time. Big but, you know, and... when, as the old saying goes, you made 100 successes, but you made 1,000 failures. Mm. Right. So you're always going to learn something no matter what. So when my dad took me out for the first time, I've had opportunities to shoot at Tom, but either I was just too scared, too nervous. But Dude, I, I was, I've been there. It's I know exactly. Choke the, up. The, the, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to get sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being a kid, yeah, I remember that. But it's, it, it can be one hell of an adrenaline rush because when I was just young, I never shot a shotgun before. So when he took me out on my first turkey hunt, I shot my first Jake, and – that was just something that we learned. And then a year later, I shot my first Tom. And the interesting story about that was when I shot my first Tom, what happened was I was sitting in his lap. He was helping me raise my gun up. 
And here comes a bunch of hens, and I see this big old straying tom, and I'm thinking, oh, this is finally my chance to get one of those big boys that you see on TV. And (laughs) I'm sitting there still as a statue, not moving at all. And... Because, you know, being a kid back then, you're sitting perfectly still and you do I, not want to You don't want to move, yeah. You yeah. do not want to <laughs> move. So um, when that bird came in and he lined up with my shotgun, boom, and I'm jumping up. And the first thing I felt was right in the back of my head. I'm thinking, what the <laughs> heck was that? I run down. I'm happy as hell. I finally got my bird. But I asked my dad, Dad, why'd you hit me? He said, no, that was a turkey. I was like, what? The turkey. Come to find out, while I was sitting there on my dad's peripheral vision, so let he can barely see this Jake coming up behind us. We were sitting so perfectly still that that Jake was paying attention to the hens and the mm, Tom walking right in. We didn't even realize it. I didn't know about it until my dad told me, but my dad was looking to the left, and he saw that Jake looking back and forth thinking, oh, my God, are these guys going to come to us? So So when that shotgun ran up, that Jake... Flustered out of there, and he hit me in the back of the head. head. head, So, we 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 just heard that story. We were talking about that story outside before we started. It's moments like that. It's freaking awesome. Exactly. Yeah. It's moments like that when you're a kid that you get to live and tell the tale. Yeah. Because not just when you're a kid, but it's something that you've never had encountered before. It's just an experience, and it just gives you a great memory. So just making memories. Exactly. So for the next decade, it's always been one hell of a fun adventure going back and forth and working hard to learn the outdoors and how it begun. And I just, I couldn't be happier with being in the outdoors this day. So everything's going pretty well so far. And, you know, when I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at a young age of five, it's always been a challenge for me. When I was young, I um, wasn't exactly sure what was going on because being a kid, you still get to learn a lot of experiences and everything. When the doctors told me that, you know, that it might be impossible for you to be able to function properly, that became a huge challenge at first. But, you know, with the amount of time I spent with my family and understanding what the outdoors is like, it became my education basically on being in the outdoors and learning how to hunt fish and properly train to be what everybody out there in the country has been for the past couple centuries. So That's great, dude. That's yeah. great. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on Ed. Um, I was going to the Yankee Classic over to Vermont for many years. And I'd drive over there all by myself. I'd ask two or three friends who want to go, nah, I'm busy today. All right, I went anyways. So he's getting to be 12, 13 years old. And um, this was the most incredible thing. When I first started turkey hunting, I basically got into using a mouth diaphragm call, not for turkeys, because I wanted to go on an elk hunt to, uh, to Montana. So that's how I started using a mouth diaphragm call. Then I progressed into turkeys. So I'm over to New York, and this particular day, after getting permission from this farmer, I get down in the field, and I wait, and I do all of my owl calls and crow calls and everything I'm doing, and then next thing, the world lights up. I've got five jakes on the edge of this field going absolutely nuts, and I'm thinking, whew, I'm the man of the world. Every time I throw out a call, these guys are gobbling their fool heads oh, up, right? Man. Well, little did I know I wasn't the man of the world because when they flew down, they decided, see, see you later, pal. Yeah. You know, so it was like the learning curve that everybody has to go through. But um, there was a big Tom that worked his way into that field, and those Jakes came in, and uh, I got to enjoy watching a real life turkey fight 
after not really knowing what turkeys were, because in New Hampshire at that time we had very, very, very scarce, few, very, very scarce. scarce yeah, right. When I so, got into the same way. What happens is um, I sat down and paid, tried to pay my dues, thinking to myself, I've already got turkeys here, so why go look for some more? I just got to see if I can be smart enough to be able to work them in. Well, as the morning progressed, this big boy comes back into the field, and I'm trying my mouth diaphragm call, and I'm, I'm back to being king of the world because when I call, he'd gobble. He was strutting. He's staying out in the field, and everything's going well. And then finally, um, there's this high-pitched Big mouth hen. There he goes, going across the field. And, ah, nuts. So I'd start calling, trying to do the same thing that guy was doing, but I'm not very good at a mouth diaphragm call. Yeah. But <clears> evidently I was good enough because he'd come halfway back to me. <laughs> so for probably about half an hour, 40 minutes, this turkey's gone partway across the field, back to me, back and forth, back and forth. But this big mouth hen's going to win out because these calls are coming out like you will not believe. And then finally, as a turkey comes over, and I'm getting frustrated because he's just not quite within shotgun range for the fifth, sixth, seventh time, he turns and he starts walking back toward my new girlfriend up on the hill as she's getting really, really yelping, really aggressive. And I hit him with a, because hmm. I worked at a turkey farm as a young boy, and I went, hmm, what if he remembers this? <laughs> All of a sudden, his head comes around, looking in my direction, goes out of strut, pulls his wings in together, tail comes down, and here he comes. He's running right at me, running down over the hill. I'm thinking, whoa, I can't believe this. I'm already making out my tag. This is how much I'm thinking. Wait till my friends see this, right? And luckily enough, when he came to a halt, he realized, oop, that's not a turkey. And I ended up killing this bird. So I'm going out there, and I'm thinking to myself, here I am in New York State with nobody that I know, None of my friends are the turkey hunters yet. How do I explain to them what I just went through? They're never going to yeah. believe what I just did. And all of a sudden, like hearing God, you better not give that secret away. I went, oh. I turn and I look, <laughs> and here's this gentleman standing behind me. Well, lo and behold, Eddie, who was it? The one and only legendary Vermont turkey hunter, Bart Jacobs. Bart Jacobs. <laughs> oh, shit. Maker of the one-hand turkey call, right? Yep. So we sat down on a log, and we chit-chatted for a while, and when I got ready to leave, he said, the one thing you got to remember, my friend, I said, what's that? He goes, pass it on. We've got to take this sport, and we've got to pass it on. Yeah. Well, as time goes by, you know, I've turkey hunted and done a lot of different hunting of different states and everything. So this one particular time, I'm going to the Yankee Classic, I can't find anybody who wants to go with me. Ed, you want to go? And he said, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll go. I said, all right, well, you got to get up a little earlier than you normally, so we're going to head out early. It's going to take us a couple hours because it's snowing out. So we drive over to Vermont, and we're standing there, and they're having a turkey calling contest. And I said, you want to you try that? He goes, Dad, I don't even know how to do that. I went, yeah. So come upstairs. I showed him how to do something on a friction call and uh, tried to do that. And I said, Cluck, when you look at me, I'll either give you a little nod <laughs> or I'll turn your head, right? So, so you, you signed you, him up so, for this. So I signed him up, right? <laughs> You're going in. Right. Eddie won. First, really? first place in the Jake's division. This was the Bart Jacobs Memorial Hunt. They put this hunt together at Bart Jacobs. So the one man that I met, the first turkey I killed, yeah. was he won his uh, 
memorial. That is awesome. First by him. What by, is by, a, by my son. There's no something, way. So, there's, there's something, something about to that. that. There's yeah. something exactly. to that, yeah. right? So, you know, that's like finding the gold card, you know, uh, yeah. you know, at, at the chocolate factory. But um, with that, from then on, he went. And one year, when he went over there and competed, Vermont had a program for their uh, youth uh, hunting camp or uh, summer camp for, for youth, right? Yeah. And um, he won that. But he was from New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah. so we had to work out the logistics how he could go to that and everything, right? But the people he's met and the people that were going on, as a kid that was diagnosed with autism and Asperger's, um, we were told that he probably will never go to school. Yeah. He'll probably never drive a vehicle. He's in college. He has his own car. Actually, he has two. He pulled in here my he, driveway today. Here he is slaying you know? birds. <laughs> yeah. Right? So what happens was he found his niche. He found that thing that, he, that he'd like to do, and that was turkey calling, uh, going to the competition. He's been to the Grand Nationals in Nashville. The Jeez, first time dude. that he competed. Congratulations, oh man. This yeah. is amazing, it was man. an amazing experience. And the first time that he competed, he was kind of bummed out because, you know, he came in like 17th out of 25. And uh, oh. I told him, win, lose, a draw, you're at the Grand National. Yeah, the what are you talking you're about? You're at the Super yeah. Bowl. You're at the Super yeah, Bowl at the NWTF. Yeah. That year that he went, he actually won Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. So he represented the <clears throat> New, England. New England states. New England, yep. The real Heck England. yes. So I told him, I <laughs> Heck said, yeah. you know. So, um, kid from and, Campton, coming. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and then one That's day awesome, we're watching, man. we're watching something on TV, and it's about Mount Washington, and um, the guy that started the Cog Railway, all right, was from Campton. Yeah, the Cog Railway was developed by somebody from Campton. You know, and I told him, I said, Do you know where we go over on this road and go down that road and we hunt? And he said, Yeah, he said, That's where. Marsh was born. He, that's where he lived. That building's gone now and everything else. But the guy that started the cogs for the Cog Railway lived right here in Kempton, and we hunt on that property. That's so awesome. I said, so everywhere you go, no matter what you do in life, every day's a learning experience, and nothing you do can ever go wrong. You can't take away what you just learned. So That is amazing. That's crazy. That is that's awesome. freaking sweet. Yeah. <clears throat> can you go into um, – uh, just to put into perspective, uh, your first turkey hunt or your first season turkey hunting, what did that look like? Well, I think for me especially, um, we had nobody around. Uh, Ted Walski was the turkey biologist and basically told us we're never going to have turkeys where I live because at the time I was living up in uh, Littleton, mm-hmm. moved to Lincoln. Uh, I now live in Campton, which is near Waterloo Valley. Uh, you're never going to have turkeys. We didn't have no family, and you have this and that. Well, that's gone now because we got turkeys in Canada, but yeah, uh, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're everywhere. You know, they're everywhere. Yep. But um, it's not a bad thing. No, it's backyards. not a bad thing. They're but mainly the thing on was, the feeders, you had yeah. nobody. <laughs> being from the north, you had nobody to teach you. Where the guys in the south were been doing it for you know, years and been years, used, and years. You know, using a snuff can, and we had no idea. When I first started using my mouth diaphragm call. Uh, working construction at this particular time, uh, we were working on some uh, buildings, doing some sheetrock, and uh, oh, I don't know, I probably gagged on that thing five or six yeah. times. <laughs> what are you doing? Spit it, <laughs> yeah, spit, it out and spit it out on the floor in a pile of joint compound dust. You know, <laughs> rinse it off with my with my water, stick it back in my mouth. My teeth were gritty and everything, yeah. but you know, it, after a while, it got to the point where it sounded like an elk, and that was doing good. And then one of the guys that went with me on my hunting trip to uh, Montana, actually lived in Castleton, 
where the first release site was over to uh, Hubbard uh, National Forest yeah. and uh, over near Castleton. Yep. And uh, he said, well, when we get back, you'll have to come over and do some turkey hunting. And that's how I basically got started. But to go from one place and talk to somebody for an hour and get a call, this is my best call when I was started out. And I would do it and do it and do it, and I'm thinking, well, you I know, feel like that's still my best call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was, is uh, later on in life, I hear it, and I went, wow, uh, you sucked, <laughs> you know. But evidently, I had a bunch of deaf turkeys and <clears throat> turkeys that didn't know much more than I did at the time. Yeah. But um, it was it was amazing to be able to have a turkey respond, have a turkey come in. I can remember the very first time that I'm out there. I got my what shotgun. year? What, what year did you start? Oh, hunting I'm talking turkeys? like '67, '68. Okay, over in New York State. Yeah, I've got my shotgun laying across my lap instead of on my knees. Yeah, I'm Run good. Oh, I'm yeah. good. I'm awesome. Right? Yeah, I'm <laughs> never ready. He's, yeah. strutting. He's strutting. I'm looking at him. I went, "Oh, oh man, what, man. Cool. this guy's a this guy's a monster." Right? Yeah. He could have weighed 20 pounds. He could have weighed five pounds. He would have been a monster. It makes no right, difference. Right. He's right there in front of me. Right. So I go and I reach down, I click off the safety, I move the gun maybe about three quarters of an inch, and I'm looking at these leaves as they're rolling over like a dragster just went through the leaves. <laughs> My turkey just went from full strut to bingo, he's gone. And he's the flying. Took, yeah, the, the wind's wind smashing. Yeah. And it's like, what? What happened? How did it? So that was lesson number one. When I say move, don't. When I say don't move, don't move. Now, in this same particular area, later on in life, I become a hunter safety instructor. And the reason I did that, because in this same area I hunted year after year, it was uh, an area with plateaus that ran into a dairy farm. So I go over there in the springtime. I got my decoy out. I'm hunting with the guy that invited me on my, went with me to uh, Montana. When suddenly the decoys back then were made out of plastic. They weren't yeah, even yeah. anything functional like this. They were two flat pieces of plastic molded together. And uh, we got the, the hens coming in, the birds gobbling, everything's going well. When all of a sudden, kaboom, down goes that decoy. All right? Guy shot right at us. We're leaning up against a ledge. so nobody Shot at get, your decoy? Yeah. yeah. And knocked that hen decoy down. All right? Season. So we got up, and we had a few words with that gentleman. And the guy that I was with got really irate, and he said, I want your license. The guy goes, I'm not giving you my license. He goes, you're giving me my license, whether I have to put the shotgun butt between your eyes and drag you out. <laughs> you're giving me so we, we turned his hunting license and our deceased decoy into the Vermont fishing game. And I came home thinking, man, that was close. That was just way too close. Yeah, right. You hear a lot of those stories, so, man. Oh, man, you know it's, it's really, really bad. Yeah. So then the following fall, uh, I go back to the same area. Now the ironic thing about this whole story was, at one time, I wish I could still find it because I've had it for a hundred years. And I don't know where it is. I was <laughs> the first non-resident to be able to shoot two turkeys in the spring and two turkeys in the fall. I was the first guy at the registration station for, uh, from another state to do that. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Right? In the same year. The little right? things, yeah. The little yeah. things, right? Yep. But the following year, <laughs> I, uh, I go up there and I've been learning a lot more things simply because I didn't just hunt turkeys and go home. During the whole month of May, I'd grab a cup of coffee and a sandwich. I'd go out and sit on a stone wall. And I'd listen to turkeys. It'd be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I can tell you what a turkey's going to do at 2 to 30 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Most people... Basically, go out, they shoot a turkey, they go home, they put the gun in the gun cabinet. That's the last time they go out until next year. 
They <clears> don't <throat> do their homework, and that's where you miss out on turkey hunting. You're going to find mushrooms. You're going to find fiddleheads. fiddleheads. You're going to find all these things that are out in the woods as the season progresses if you continue to spend the whole month using turkey season to learn what turkeys do. So what happened this particular fall, I go back to my spot. I'm on my ledge. I break up a flock of birds. So here's what a lot of people don't realize. In the fall, you're going to hear Kiki run, which is a, a young poult whistling back to the group because once you break up the flock they've been together for weeks months all summer long they want to get back together as a group and you'll hear <laughs> and when the hen she'll start out with a real aggressive she's telling them where i am well i learned later on in life that if i was smart i'd jump up run off chase her off and sit down at the tree that she was near and become her Yep. So now I would end up calling in that flock. Well, this particular day, the birds are coming in. I can see one or two come down through the trees, and they're working their way back in, and I'm hitting them with everything. Buck, buck, buck. Things are working. Things are working. Suddenly, to my right, I see two big black turkeys. I went, ooh, those are toms. Those aren't little birds. Those are two toms. At the time in Vermont, you could kill both birds the same day. Yeah. All right. That's why I was so successful to bring two birds in the, the yeah. first round resident because I could shoot them both the same day. So these two turkeys came in. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. The other little poults, they're, they're doing their whistling and doing their kiki, and these guys have not gobbled. They haven't done anything, but they're looking for that big mouth hen that I'm doing the, the hen assembly call. Huh. And so what Answer happens is the they kiki. finally came in, lined up. I pull the trigger. Kaboom! My birds go flopping down, and I hear the most blood-curdling scream of my life. All I could think of is I shot somebody. I think I just shot somebody. Come to find out why I'm losing my little indentation behind a great big uh, oak tree, I've got a man sneaking up behind me. As a resident, it only cost him $5 for a turkey tag. He's never turkey hunted before, but the turkey that he's trying to sneak up on is me because I'm the one doing all the calling. So we sat down on a log. He uh, decided to change his pants because he had a problem there. And, <laughs> he uh, shit himself. You know, I, <laughs> I, exactly. I gave him one of the turkeys so he could have it for Thanksgiving, and I took my other turkey, and I went on my way. But when I came home, I decided I wanted to be a hunter safety instructor because most of the people at that time that were trying to learn how to turkey hunt were, were, stalking, using, turkeys? were stalking turkeys like you would if you were deer hunting. Yeah. And we were trying to break that ice. Uh, Rich Valley. Uh, from down to uh, um, Webster right now. He lives in Webster. Um, he was one of the guys that really took our area by storm, and I was driving all the way from Littleton all the way down there to be able to be a part of the, the Turkey uh, Federation and what was going on. And we tried doing a, a trap and release, getting some birds that were over to um, uh, Ware at, um trying to think of the tractor supply place. It's in Ware right now. It's a big one. But um, they were coming into the farm, into the uh, silage bin, all right? And we were kind of wondering how much of this turkey manure is going to affect the cows and this and that. And we tried to get Ted Walski to do a trap and release, and Ted was doing everything over on the west side of the state. So we ended up asking Eric off because Eric was the one, the turkey bi I mean, was a biologist. Yeah. They used had to on. Yep. catch the uh, ducks on the seacoast, yep. you know, for <clears> banding geese. So he knew about the the cannon nets and everything. We just wanted to know where do we put the bait to be able to make it effective and this and that. That, that kind of frosted Ted's butt 
because we asked somebody else in the fishing game department other than him about doing it, <laughs> yeah. and we never did have a successful trap and release, so that never did pan out. But um, the the bottom line with that is over the years, the banquets that we've had and the things we've done is there's, you know, if we sell 18,000 turkey tags per year, we're lucky if we can get 300 people to a banquet yeah, statewide at, with you know, <clears throat> nine different banquets, yeah. you know. But um, the education part, I think right now, is the most important thing about the turkey hunting. And it's not just educating turkey hunters. It's educating the public as to what's going on. General, um, this past year, we, we talked about this last year also, is because of COVID, it was like... A lot of uh, hikers. Hikers. Like, hikers, hunters. We would see yeah. literally hikers on... Out in tote roads, yes. just like yeah. tote roads out, like not people are just hiking, not a, just not a, not wherever they can pull trail. over exactly. and hike. And exactly, like, yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And so much. you're out there trying to get a bird off the roost. Everybody is. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? And then, yeah, yeah at yeah. eight o'clock, nine o'clock, you start seeing, you know, hikers come through, and which which is fine. Every, yeah. it's, all, it's all public land. Oh yeah, land. it's public land, right? Right. But just be like they're looking up, like we're we're the crazy ones, right? Like no, we're just here enjoying turkey hunting this place, right? Here's here's another thing that I've seen in over the years. And this is making it really tough because this week alone, you see the, the uh, shootings that were yeah, I saw you know, that. Yeah. Uh, three shootings in the nation. Now, here's the situation, okay? I get out of my vehicle one morning, and I'm dressed in my camo, throwing my uh, my uh, vest and everything, and I grab my shotgun, and I I head off. Um, this is during deer season, okay? And the reason I'm taking my shotgun is because. I've also got some turkeys that are coming in the area, and I've had them close enough to my tree stand before that, you know, I can shoot deer with a rifle. I can also shoot them with a shotgun. So, you know what I'm going to take with me. So I'm limited to my time, right, because at, at the time I'm a taxidermist, and people are bringing their stuff in at the same time I want to get out to go hunting. So Correct. Yeah. Yeah. that was always that conflict. So I go to my tree stand. I'm up there in my tree stand. And I turn to the left, and I look off in the distance, and I can see a blue light. I mean, oh, some poor, poor guy, he just got picked up for speeding or something on that little road, right? Yeah. So, no big deal. So I just sat there, and I sat there, you know. Next thing I know, over a megaphone, would the driver of the truck please come out of the woods? I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. So I climb down out of my stand and get down there, and I walk out. Almost to the truck, I meet a guy in a, in a green vest. Sure enough, it's a cop. Come to find out some woman called the cops and said they saw a guy running in the woods in camouflage, and they, they're, they're relating it to domestic me. violence. Okay? Never, so never now, been in the woods before, lady? Yeah, yeah. Right? So now what the cop <laughs> says to me, you know, well, you know, I, I'm sorry I messed you up. You can go back now. I went, it's going to be dark in 10 minutes. You just ruined my whole t entire night. But then he starts giving me, well, you know, your tire is pretty close to the asphalt. I said, really? Is that the best you can do after, right? Yeah. So I said, you know, and here's where the situation is getting. We're getting more and more non-residents moving into New Hampshire, buying a piece of property, and either posting it or not knowing what we do. I've gotten, I have gotten to the point where I absolutely, probably in the last six or seven years, I have not gone out in the evening to try to roost a turkey. Because the problem is that you go out there, you drive down the road. Well, here's that spot that I wanted to try. You get out and try to do a call. Next thing you know, somebody Someone's pulls up and goes, what are you doing? What are you doing yeah. here? What's going on? Well, these are my turkeys. Uh, we fed them all winter. I don't want you here. You know, things like that. In the morning when I go out, 4.35 o'clock, it's getting daylight. That guy's not even out of bed, hasn't had right. a cup of coffee. Right. He doesn't even know I'm there. 
So um, that's part of it. Um, but trying to educate these people to the fact that uh, what's going on, my number one thing, I've been hunting uh, lately with a crossbow, which I think m we should get more and more young kids involved in trying to shoot the crossbow. Your wife can go with you and learn how to shoot a crossbow. If you can look through a scope and get the crosshairs on something with a crossbow, it opens up. You can up make it happen. You can yep. make it happen. But I said the number one thing is we have a, uh, a campsite that we've been to down to Hampton Falls. Any given day, we're seeing 45 or 50 turkeys. We're seeing sometimes eight, nine, five-year-old strutters. Yeah, that will huge. never, ever, ever be shot. Ever be shot. Nope. They're going to be hit by a car or somebody, some poor guy on a motorcycle coming around the corner, and then the flock flies up and he takes out half the flock and, or they take him out, right? right. Yeah. But yet, you know, when, yeah. they, when you, whoever came up with this idea of putting, uh, you can't discharge a, a bow within 100 yards of an occupied dwelling, I don't know. That, that is probably the most craziest thing I've ever heard because... I have been a licensed archery hunter. I'm a certified archery instructor. I teach archery in both Plymouth and Campton for the after-school program. I've probably taught 3,000 kids in, in the years I've been as an archery instructor. There is not a place in the state of New Hampshire that you could shoot at a deer at 100 yards. And if you I was could, just say, that deer is going to see that arrow coming two days before it gets there, yeah. right, <laughs> if you could shoot that far. And I said, so, you know, I understand with a firearm. You really take the edge off in that, and now a, you take a crossbow that you can't discharge within 100 yards of an occupied dwelling. You're taking a place that's like a semi-residential area yeah. that has turkeys in it Loaded. that that has that has more than enough birds eating all and, the grass. Uh, Everybody's and people are getting. Them. Now you're getting. You got two. You got two sides of the street. You go up and you ask one person if you can hunt there, and they look at you like you just took their last dollar out of their wallet. Or you get the other person who wants you to kill all of them when the first time you show up. I can only kill one, <laughs> yeah. and I can only take one. So you know, take out the whole flock. It's, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's kind of a mixed bag of nuts. But the bottom line is, um, there's a lot of things that whoever designed some of these programs didn't look at the entire state. And then I see last year that they were trying to increase that from 100 yards to 300 yards that you yeah. couldn't discharge a boat. I right? saw that, yeah. That would mean that probably from the New Hampshire border at Massachusetts to possibly at least Plymouth, maybe even up as far as Littleton, you wouldn't be able to shoot anything anymore with a bow. Simply because we are getting so built up with residential areas, people coming in and buying a house or, or, or going over to Newfound Lake, for an example, um, and buying a camp for $250,000, tearing it down and building a $2.5 million house on it. Yeah. All right. Now, this is our world. Stay off. There are people over there that don't even want you with a boat in the water in front of their camp. Right, because yeah. we bought this. Right. This is our no. water. This is our I've, lake. I've, I've yeah. put spinner baits on people's docks and have them get pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, no. I've casted to yeah. people's like beaches before and have them tell me, no, go fish somewhere else. No. That's yeah. right. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Watch this. Yeah. Oh, got a big Larry. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. 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 This is my world. Get out of it. Yeah. You know? It's so obvious it, that these it people either really, spend really too much tough. time in the city or just doing their own way. It's like, you know? Well, like exactly what you it's just said. It's in their way. It's in their way. If you yeah. move somewhere, don't don't change it to the place that you just moved from. Right. You know, keep it how it is. There's yeah. a reason why you came here. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, here's another thing that I'm seeing that probably frosts my shorts the most is driving by areas that are posted. That poster. 
that's on that tree is 12, 14 years old. That guy's been dead nine years now. Yeah. Right? The post is still on. I totally agree. All right? yep. You this go is... on that piece of property, the game one's going to say to you, you can't read the sign. Yep. Yeah. It's already, it tells you. That guy doesn't own it anymore, but nobody bothered to take the sign down. All right. The other thing is, driving up to a place and it's got poster signs and there's nobody's name on it. Now, if I want to keep you guys out of my hunting spot, all I've got to do is go over there two days before season and staple up a no. A and no I've seen it. I've seen sign. it happen. Oh, same here, right? My wife's uh, cousin it comes from Arlington, Mass. So he comes up here and he meets some good old boys down in Laconia and he wants to go turkey hunting and he's talking to them. They tell him where to go. All right. That guy doesn't mind. He doesn't mind if you go on their property. So he goes over there late, late in the morning, all right? And luckily, he took pictures of the entranceway. He's got two great big columns of granite, all right? And he goes down this tote road, down and around through the woods and everything. And sure enough, he gets some birds to gobble, but he didn't have any luck. But I found some turkeys. So he's feeling pretty, pretty confident, pretty happy, right? So... He's got the whole week. He runs a plumbing and heating business in, in Massachusetts. He comes up here. He spent big bucks for a hunting license and all the things that are going with it. He gets here. He goes down there, and he's got a uh, F-350 truck, dual wheels with uh, stacks on it, you know, that he hauls a 45-foot camper, you know, yeah, yeah. and all this and that. So he's got that parked on that roadway. He's down there, and it's probably 25 uh, of 12 Bugs are getting pretty bad. He's decided he's walking back, and as he's walking, he sees a bunch of foot people, legs, walking around his truck on the opposite side of his truck. So being from Mass, he's a little nervous about who it is, what's going on and everything. <clears throat> Do I walk down with a gun pointed at somebody? Do I unload? So he made sure his gun was unloaded and did everything right. He's a really, really nice guy, but he never grew up in a, in a hunting family. He's like me. He came to me, and I kind of took him under his wing. So when he gets down there, Game Warden steps out around the tailgate and looks at him and says, evidently where you live, you can't read. Hmm. He said, excuse me? He said, you heard me. Now, the Game Warden's got an attitude, all right? And Rich doesn't know exactly why. And he said, I, I don't have any idea what you're talking about, sir. And he's trying to be nice to him because I told him, give him your name and address, answer your questions yes or no, but don't give him any more information than you have to because you're just going to dig yourself a deeper hole. Don't try to be friends with him, because you're not going to be friends. Cause if he's there, he's there because he's looking at it like you're a violation. Yeah, all right. right. He's not right. coming there to be warm and fuzzy, all right? So he took that under consideration. They walk back out. There's posted signs on both sides of the truck, all right? So what happens is, instead of making a big deal with the, the game warden, the game warden writes him up to go to court. He's going to this and that. So he gets ready to go to court. The judge asked him how he pled. He said, not guilty. He goes, how come you feel you're not guilty? He said, you know, game one doesn't write you up a tag for nothing. And uh, so the game one is the first one to talk. He talks about when he got there, there's this big truck. from And, and Rich says to him, listen, Your Honor, I'm from Massachusetts, but please don't hold that against me. So, But he said, um, I don't know this area very well, and I had a hard time finding it. So... Um, I've never had a problem. This is my second year on this property, and I've, nobody, I've encountered a lot of other people, and nobody ever gave me a hard time, or nobody ever pointed this out. And I said, when I got there, th there was no posted signs. Yeah. You know, and so they did was they ran him through the ringer. You're a liar. You don't, you know, yada, yada, yada. So he just let the game one say his piece, 
everything was done. When he was done, he handed the phone to the bailiff and said, could you show that to the judge? The judge looked at it, and it's time dated, and there was no signs there. Someone put fucking There's posted signs Put posted there. signs up while Losers. he was hunting. All right? So what happened was the judge said to the game warden, I'd like to see the landowner in here next week. And that's what you look for. You know what I mean? Because oh, that's just... Such that, a headache. You know, so that's exactly oh. it. So, but the bottom line is, in the state of New Hampshire, once that sign is put up, no matter who put it up... And it could be, like you posted. said, 15... It, it's posted. It could, they told me in Hunter Safety, if it looks like it might have been posted at one point... Even if there's a square plaque <clears throat> nailed yeah, on the don't wall, go on it. Yeah. But this right. is my issue. If, but how if, do you if, find a landowner? Ex- right. Well, exactly. Right. So <laughs> if we're going to do our due diligence and we're going to follow the rules and we're going to do everything that we can to, you know, do the right thing... Right. Then they need to do it the right way, too. Right. Every 50 feet. Right. Signed. Phone number, address. You know, and and one person I asked one time, I I, I was talking to this gentleman when we were at um, Tractor Supply, and he was buying some pellets to feed the deer for the winter. (laughs) I'm thinking, you're not supposed to do that, but, you know, it's his own property. (laughs) I'm not going to, you know, who am I, right? So I'm standing, and so we're talking apples and oranges and things like that. And I said to him, you know, my pet peeve is seeing postage signs with nobody's name on it. And I said, let me give you an example. All right, if I come to you and you give me permission to hunt on your property, I'm going to take care of that property like it was my own. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that nobody else is on it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to campus it. I'm going to make sure that everything's going well. Now, if I'm driving down the road and I look and I see some guy throw a washing machine down over the bank and you got a piece of, pro- you got a posted sign it with nothing on it, you got a piece of property that's posted. Yeah. If your name's on it and your telephone number, I'm going to drive to your house as a guy that, just gonna look at it like, listen. I just saw Larry what, with a with a Dodge truck dump a washing machine exactly. down over there. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. And in turn, you may give me permission to make sure your land's not filled up with stuff. Yeah. I see. There are places that we can't hunt anymore because people are throwing a bunch of tires down over the bank or a refrigerator and a couple of couches and everything, rather than spend four dollars yep. to take them to yep. the dump. Yep. Right. I didn't do that, so why should I be penalized? But you, as a landowner, paying taxes. You know, how do I meet you? How do I make you friends, right? Then I go to the town how do building. I ask for permission. You can't. You, you can't find out who owns it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you go to the town, I went to one situation. I went to the town to get the land map, and I was in there about an hour and a half trying to do things, and I finally, the person there was very helpful and told me who owned the land and everything, and then come to find out he had died, and it was his daughter that now held the land, all right? She was in Colorado. Yeah. All right? So... Luckily, I just sent her a small lesson letter and everything and told her who I was. Now, this is what I do when I try to get on property for somebody. I take my driver's license. I take my hunter's license. I take my registration. I put it in a printer, and I photocopy the entire thing. They've got every piece of information they need to prosecute me for anything. They've got it all. And I walk up, knock on the door, introduce myself. Hi, I'm Ed Ash. Uh... I'm an archery instructor. I'm a hunter safety instructor. I'm a turkey hunter, uh, yada, yada, yada. Listen, I'm looking for a place to turkey hunt, and what I want right now is I'm looking for a place to take a young boy or girl that's not going to be snuck in by somebody else. Right. <clears throat> Here's my credentials. People will look at it and go, oh, this guy's serious, right? And I've got more places open to me that way because now they have all my information. I'm not just a guy that knocked on the door. Something goes wrong. Something goes wrong, right? It's a peace of mind for them. Right. 
And then later on, you drive up the road and everything, and you look and you see somebody's been parking there on the side of the road, and they've thrown out a bunch of soda cans and a bunch of stuff. Stop, and you pick it up. All right? And then you drive up to the house, go, hey, Tim, gee, I'm just driving by, and I thought I'd stop and say hello. Oh, by the way, I picked up this trash down there. They remember that. They look at that now that now we became friends. Now right. we became something of, of an entity, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a bunch of ways you can get in it, but it is really tough because a lot of these people that are coming up from out of state don't trust the people who live here, right? Yeah. And as I say, more and more right now between all the shootings and all the things that are going on, domestic violence, people are seeing us as hunters go into the woods and not knowing why we're there. Um, where I live in, in the town of Campton, one day um, I'm out on Campton Pond. I'm dressed. I got camouflage waders, camouflage suit, camouflage hat, camouflage shotgun. We're going hunting. And I'm walking <laughs> out of there, and I've got uh, two wood ducks and a black duck. And the cop is sitting behind me with the blue lights going. He goes, so what are you doing? I looked at him. I said, uh, bass fishing. He goes, don't be a smart ass. I mean, <laughs> no, what, you, you, what, you know what, what I'm doing. You know, what do you think? Right? Catching it's, ducks. Right? <laughs> so he says to me, are you supposed to be here? Which tells me right around, he doesn't even know. Yeah. So I told him, I said, um, you know Jim Nealon, the uh, lieutenant for fishing game? He said, yes, I do. I said, you call him and tell him Ed Ash is hunting on Campton Pond. He'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh, okay. So he goes. Now, that may sound pretty crazy. But I have also, two years ago, come out of my tree stand after coming down off a hill, following the area, out about eh, maybe a little over a mile from my house. The wind's blowing. It is cold. I am frozen. I want to be back to my truck. As I'm walking, all of a sudden, boo, what the heck? I turn over my shoulder, and I got a cruiser behind me with the blue lights going. So he stops me, and he says, is that gun loaded? And I said, is it supposed to be? Uh, he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. No, I don't know. I, no, it's not, it's loaded. not loaded. No, it's not loaded. <clears throat> I kind of stumped him around that one. Yeah. So I said to him, he goes, where are you? What, what are you doing here? And I said, I've been hunting up on the top of the mountain here, and I got, turned around. I just came out of a different area. And uh, he said, well, uh, people driving by said they saw some guy walking down the road with a gun. I said, yeah, that's me. I do the same thing That's me. I literally come out. I, uh, deer season? <laughs> If I get, I'm on a track, <clears throat> I go on a track, and I'm gone. I might poke down by wherever. I'm down the road, and I just walk like it's getting dark. Two, two, three o'clock. I come on during the main road. Season. I'm walking the main road. I'm not walking through woods. Twelve Can't inches see. of yeah. snow. <laughs> right. And all the neighbors, oh, oh, waving at me. Oh, yep, just out there deer hunting. Yep. You know, but yeah. This particular guy. I said to him, you know, I am frozen to death. Any chance you can give me a ride back to my vehicle? Yeah. No. He couldn't put me in the trunk. He couldn't put me in the back seat. He wouldn't give me a ride. He followed me footstep after footstep with the blue lights going with- all the way back to my vehicle. Really? So as everybody's going by, they don't know if I'm being picked up, arrested, but guys are going by and slowing down because he's got his blue lights going. And getting... the guy in the front of his headlights <laughs> is walking with a gun. <laughs> you just So what did that look like? You're getting like the, the hunter uh the hunter detour there. You know what that's I mean? Perfect. <laughs> so, that's so perfect. So what does that look like? You know, what's that tell the public? You know, what's yeah, what's going on? You know good. what I mean? Um yeah. I, I did talk to the chief of police in that town, and he goes, Well, let me talk to the guy. And I went, yeah. you know, it it's done. It's not going to make any difference, but it's it is amazing 
the world that we live in and how things have changed today. Listen, you know? when we were in, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were in high school, we used to get out of high school and go. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Out to a piece of property. And I knew the laws and regulations. I knew what a compact zone was. Yep. Six consecutive houses within 300 feet of each other. Yep. So we would go out there and we either we'd be shooting. Shoot. It'd be crow season. Be out there shooting crows. And we're close to um, a school, but within plenty of distance yep. to be legal. Close, yeah. It was pretty far. But like through the woods. Someone called the cops on us. And so as we're walking out... Trying to shoot crows. It's pretty much a sand pit. <laughs> yeah, we're watching. We're we're coming back out. There's a cop sitting there. It's like, you know what? You guys are. You cannot be shooting here. It's illegal to shoot here. And I said, why? And I'm probably what we've been shooting 18 there forever. Years old? Yeah, and said, now you're a schmata. Yeah. yeah. How, how yeah. come? Why? Why can't I shoot here? Well, because it's you're too close to a school. I said no. You're too close to houses. I said no. I know all the legality. I've I've done the we've math. Been hunting here. I've been hunting been, here. Yeah. I know what it takes. There's a break in whatever that four or five houses that's mm-hmm. not within 300 feet. Yeah. This is not a compact zone. Right. So. I went back and I was young enough where my dad got pissed because my dad's a big hunter and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go to the police station, straighten this out." Yeah, yeah. I it it's, it shouldn't we shouldn't have to educate the police, right? What the hunting regulations are, unless right. like why are they stopping us if they don't know the regulations, right? So he yeah he went there and then he was like, yeah, you know this this is this is what the the law says this is what call a call fishing game, yeah. So. Yeah. But, you know, here's, here's something that's really crazy. Where we live in Campton, um, there's condos along the side, riverfront condos and everything. Yep. Now what's happening is you get a lot of people that come up here, and it's just getting daylight. Boom, 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 we're shooting. All right. Woo! Cruiser comes flying down the road and everything. <laughs> Nothing well, happened. You know, we're just right? shooting ducks. We're not, <laughs> we're not shooting anywhere near the condo, but we woke them up, and those people are down here. Yeah. So here's, here's the situation. If they don't want us, if they want to bag us for something illegal, all those landowners have to do is walk over across the street and throw a bag of corn down in the water, and they can bag us for hunting over a baited area. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And some of the things are, are crazy uh, that you see, and you would never, ever thought that that would ever happen. You know what I mean? But And it's not. And, and I'm telling you, right now, with all the people that I grew up with, there's probably three of us that still hunt. Yeah, it's right. There are guys that have just basically quit. They've got harassed out of their places, right. it's not or like the places that they went to are gone. Uh, I grew up, born and raised in Littleton, and over where the Littleton Hospital is now was an incredible piece of property that deer hunted there for years. Hospital sits right in the middle of it now. Now all of those roads that were going up over the mountainside, there you've never seen this, probably 960,000 posted signs because everybody <laughs> who came there to work at the hospital bought, bought a, a piece of property posted and, and posted it. Or what happened was they would post it to the point where there would be 200 feet between your property and my property, and somebody would come along and put a posted sign between it, so that's the way they went in. Yeah. So the locals, you know, the, uh, are doing that, you know. And you don't know because there's nobody's name on that poster. Yeah. You know, it all comes back to that yeah. same thing. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and we were in Montana one, and Wyoming one time on a on a, a hunt, and I went and asked this guy for permission on his property, and he said, "Ah, gee," he said, "Yeah, we're bringing cattle in right now. This is a hundred and forty thousand acre ranch, but he said we only got forty thousand acres open hunting right now." 
40,000, yeah. And there's three of us that want to go on it, right? Yeah, right. So so what he said to me is, when you're driving down the road here, all right, when you're driving down the road, when you get ready to go down to Simple Creek, he said, on the left-hand side of Simple Creek, there's a little byway that you can go and, and park right there and go in. And I get down there, and it's all posted. And I went, oh, man. So we didn't hunt there that morning. I go back to his ranch probably about 11 o'clock, and I said to him, I said, yeah, we get down there, and it was posted. He says, what, what's posted? I said, where that parking area is you told me to go. So I said, um, there's, some, you know, there's some guys up in there hunting right now because you know we were probably on their border of their property. He goes, no. I own another seven miles down this road. You're not, you know smokes, what I mean? Yeah. So we went down. These boys had just done that. They had yeah. gone and put a posted <clears throat> sign up, no hunting, no trespassing. Fuck All right. Shit. And when they would go hunting, they'd take it out and put it underneath the truck. And then they'd hang it back up when they left. And uh, so what the ironic thing about it was he went down there and uh, he goes, we'll take care of it. So I, I hunted and we went by and everything. And then the next day, the same thing was there. You know, the guys were in there hunting in the morning. And I looked and the tires were flat. I went, oh, the guys, you know. Went. What he did was he pulled the valve stems out. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Oops, these guys aren't going anywhere until yeah. I get back. I'll you figure know? it I out. Think yeah, so. I'll figure it out. But, you know. And I thought afterwards, I said, you know, that was a kind of a slimy thing to do. But the bottom line is, you know, that's how places get lost. Yeah. Is stupid by not, shit. By stupid, stupid shit like that. Stupid stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like right now, we're, we're talking about turkey hunting tonight and, and what's going on. We are losing more and more areas to that turkey hunting because what might be a great year this year, those birds have moved to another spot. Yeah. And I was a firm believer earlier in time that if I came to a piece of property that was posted and I couldn't hunt on it, okay, because it now it became a giant turkey rearing area for that year because you know that after they have a good successful season, yeah. all right, They're those turkeys pressured. are going to be moving yeah. off to another area. Right, All right, exactly. But it doesn't do any good if somebody comes in and buys that piece of property in the meantime and then, you know, your world just got slammed shut, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and the same way as I say, there's areas there that, how do I find out who the person is that owns it? He's only coming up on weekends. How do you break the ice of that person? How do you, right. how do you introduce yourself? Yeah, you know? I'll watch the property. I'll you know. do whatever it is. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna <clears throat> get into some turkey tactics and yeah, uh, some we're calling. Start from uh, a brand new hunter that's never been in the woods. Um, so, if you guys want to go into tactics, um, opening day. Here we go. It's uh, we get up at three. We make some coffee. Um, You've been looking at birds. You got birds scouted. You you figured out they they're where they're roosting. You go in. What's a tree? What's a tree call sound like? Carry on. What, what do you want to do? Like first thing, you, right as you get out of your truck, what's your guys' first step for being successful, and what you guys are doing, especially calling wise and. Well, usually what I like to do is like give it a couple of days in advance. Do not call to a turkey. Do not so call when you're to, when you're saying when you're scouting, don't call. Scouting. Do not call to a turkey. You just want to know what neighborhood he's in. Yeah. Basically, you know, where's where's his bedroom? Where's his living room? What am I going to be doing at nine o'clock in the morning? Because a lot of times you'll you might kill a turkey and be out of the woods at five thirty six o'clock in the morning, and then there's that day that the weather conditions aren't right, or you've got a young Jenny, and a Jenny is uh, that's one of those light late hatched chicks. That's a female that's not really old enough to mate, but she's hanging around because 
I like the looks of this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so right. she's just messing up your whole hunting situation. But later on in the morning, the hens are going to want to go off to the nest. And uh, if you know what they're going to do and where they might head, at 9 o'clock is going to be completely different than 5.30 in the morning. But, uh, you know, normally what I'll do is I'll go out there, check. Uh, I may throw out some owl hoots first thing in the morning. Go ahead, uh, give us give us the owl hoot that works for you guys. All right. From, you want to do one, Ed? You can do it. All right. Well, so I usually start out with If you get going, and this works pretty well early in the spring because a lot of owls are setting up their territory, and um, Ed and I have had a great time getting the birds all wound up. We'll get turkeys that haven't gobbled in a few days to lose their mind because all of a sudden we'll have these uh, owls. We now become the intruder. Now there's somebody in the mix. This is our little territory. This is where we hunt. This is where we leave, live. And who are you? And uh, we start out with uh, who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. Then we'll pick it up with a If you don't get a turkey to gobble within a half mile of that, you might as well just get in your truck and drive away. Go to the next spot. Yeah, go to the next spot. Because if there's a turkey anywhere around, he's going to start gobbling. He's going to go, what in the world is that, right? Now, later on in the day, um, turkeys are smart enough to realize at 10 o'clock you're not going to get a whole lot of owl calling. So at that point, I just switch over with a crow call and go, Crow call is ah, always. Ah, 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 ah. This, is all, this, this is, is all with a mouth. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll start hearing. <laughs> now, now you know where he is, at least. All right. Now, at that point, am I going to kill him? Nah, no, not necessarily. But I know at this point where he's living. So what you, I try to do then is try to move into a distance of maybe 100 yards, try to stay in that safe distance. He hasn't had an opportunity to see me, know what's going on. Um, these turkeys hearing an ability to find you is so extraordinary that sometimes just walking in the leaves, you'll hear a bird gobble. Right. Because he can hear you, but he doesn't know what's going on. All right. He thinks it's a hen coming to him. Um, so at that point, I like to be able to find a good tree that's wide enough to be able to cover my back. So if somebody's coming in behind me, um, they're not going to see me. Plus, it's going to block my, uh, it's going to be my backboard, to, so to speak. So as the turkey's coming in, I'm going to kind of blend into my camouflage with, with what's going on. Um, I've hunted for many, many years, sometimes with a decoy. Decoys can mess you up, though. You'll put them out. You can't move them once you set them up. And if the Tom comes in and sees it, he's going to gobble for 25 minutes waiting for that hen to come to him. To come to him. <laughs> and she's not going anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. That, you so, know. can you go into the scenario? Like, there, it's not like most other animals. The, no. the hen generally goes right. to the right. Tom. The reason that he's gobbling in the morning, and this is, this is where I think a lot of people starting out get frustrated because you'll go out in the morning and you'll, you'll do a, a locator call, whether it be an owl, crow, whatever. And he'll gobble, and then he'll gobble, and then he'll gobble, and then he'll gobble. You go, oh, my God, this is he's awesome. Fired he's, up. He's, he's all fired yeah. up. He's right? coming he's in fired up. Right. And <laughs> then all of a sudden you go pitch. and you he's set up, pitch. and you start doing your calls, and the, the woods go dead silent. It's like, uh-oh, he must have seen me. No, he hasn't seen you. 
Normally, if he's far enough away and he hasn't seen you, what he's doing is he's waiting for a hen to walk up. He's waiting because when you started throwing out hen calls, he thought, oop, I hear Sally's in the neighborhood, and he's waiting for Sally to come join him. Because in the springtime, the uh, hens basically go to the tom. He's just gobbling like crazy for two reasons. One, to tell the hens where he's located, and two, to tell the other toms in the area, I'm the boss. I'm the big boy. I'm in charge. And uh, I've had friends over the years that have heard that the tom that they were hunting the day before was shot by somebody else. And there's no sense in going back there because they killed that bird. It couldn't be Not anything any further from the truth. Not yeah. There's, yeah, just because one turkey was killed there doesn't mean another bird's going to come in. That's right. Because what happens a lot of times, it, there's, the bird that's gobbling in the morning is trying to be the dominant bird. And there are times when you'll go out there, you'll hear five or six birds gobbling Four. in the morning. And you'll think, whoo it can't get any better than this. And at 6 o'clock, you're the only one in the woods. You're, nothing's <laughs> yeah. gone. And you're Been there a hundred like, times. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. what did I do wrong? Right? So can we, when you, when we get settled down and you do your owl hoot and you hear a gobble, uh, you want to, how far, how, how far or how close do you want to get to that bird? I try not to move to him, all right, because if I start to move to him, he thinks he's going to wait me out, okay? That and what I may see you underneath the roost. Right. There happen times we go on turkey hunting and we hear the turkey and we're moving down an area. All of a sudden, bah, 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 he's going the other way. And, 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 and the, reason, the reason for that is he sounded like he's a lot further away. He was Just actually turned. standing on the limb pointing in the opposite direction. So his voice was going away from us, and we think we're getting close to him, and all of a sudden you we busted just him. We busted him. Yeah. However, listen, th- there are many times that people will walk away going, I can't believe I just did that, all right? Well, you didn't physically touch him, all right? He may have seen you, but I've gone to places and gone hunting and then come back there at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, come in from a different direction, throw out a, a, a hand call, and get him to respond because he remembers – Sally was there, and then that guy that I saw walking through the woods must have spooked her because, right. you know. Right. I, and I, I was doing a turkey hunting seminar one time, and a guy asked me, he says, Mr. Ash, why do you feel he's so successful at turkey hunting? And I says, well, turkeys and I have about the same size brain, so it's pretty easy for me to get on the same <laughs> relation to it. You know? yeah. right. So, you know, um, but I think it's simply because I spent a lot of time after my hunting season going back to areas that had turkeys to learn what turkeys were doing the first week, the second week, and the last week of the season. Because it because all changes. I want to get back in. I want to get. I want to touch on that. But I want to. Can we? Um, so a, a tree call. When you when you finally get set up, you heard the gobble. Eddie, can you do a tree call for us? Oh yeah, sure, sure. And basically, yeah, the tree call. It's obviously the most quiet. One of the most quiet calls a turkey will make. I well, mean, the, the birds are be, all in the roost when you yep. do this call, right? Exactly, and they don't yelp too much. They just go, yelp, 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 yelp. It's like just when you're waking up in the morning, you're walking around, and and when that turkey's up, she won't automatically go, yuck, yuck. It's a soft, yelp, yelp. All right, we're going to hear it right here. That quiet, huh? Yeah, that's not turned down because of the volume. That's because how loud it is. Basically, if you think about it with yourself, the alarm goes off in the morning. You put your feet on the floor. You get ready to get out of bed. The last thing you do is put your feet on the ground and start doing jumping jacks and go, hey, what's going on, world? Instead, you're kind of <laughs> like 
rubbing the sleepy seeds out of your eyes and wishing you had another 20 minutes of sleep. Hit it, hit it and, again. And they can hear that from 70 turkey, yards. That's exactly it. Turkeys will be a tom turkey in the morning when it's really crisp and there's no other sound out there can hear that for half a mile. And you got to think, they're, and, they're up in the trees. They're above right. you. So they're above you. That, so that, that sound, pit, yeah, exactly, right. carries. Right. Now, at that point, if you hear a bird gobble, all right, I look at it like put the first ace on the table. Whoop, I got his attention. He knows there's a hen here. Um, and at that point, I may just be quiet for a few minutes and see if I have any hens that might answer me back. Because if a hen start waking up and you find out that she's sleeping beside him on the same limb, ah, uh, that just cuts your odds in half at least. Because why go look for a girl when I got one standing beside me? Right. You know? So at that point, um, I, I kind of play it out if it's uh, – if he's going to start gobbling two or three, four times by himself, um, then at that point I'll just look for the most convenient place that I can think for him to come down through the woods, find an area with that tree that's got some backstop, even if it's like a big stump or something behind me, and sit still. And at that point I might just do another – I'll do another tree out, all right? But this time if he gobbles back, I'll pick it up with a little – If he's really hot, he'll gobble back to that right in the middle of my call. He'll cut me off when I'm calling. Ed, why don't you show what that is like a little bit louder. All right. So now at that point, we is she got his still attention. on the limb. He's still on the limb, okay. all right? He's still on the limb. He knows I got a hen in the area. He don't, may not know exactly where she is, but, oh, my God, I got a girl coming in. She's interested because she's <laughs> talking back to me. Now, okay. at this point, yeah. oh, how do I do this? I don't want to mess this all up. I don't want him to see me coming and everything. So, at this point, I'm going to try to do a fly-down cackle. And a fly-down cackle is when they're waking up. They basically, at this point, I, I have had the opportunity to realize that, oh, I got a boy in the area. He's interested in me, and I'm waking up. Now, um, I do two things. Some people use a wing. Um, I use my hat to, to flap it around on my leg and sound like wings that are beating against the things like this. And we'll do a fly-down cackle with either a mouth diaphragm call or um, we'll do a, a pot call. Or the pot call works. The box call works. Box box works. My favorite even the best. Boy, the yeah. box call is nice and Get sharp. A, yeah, pop. nice and crisp. And what that is doing is that hen is why she's she's doing the clucks on the limb. And when she starts to fly off the limb, she's going. She's telling them which direction that she's flying. Okay, so. As she's telling them which way she's flying, when she hits the ground, a lot of people stop. I don't. What I do is when I hit the ground, I go, puck, 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 puck. So sometimes. It gets more realistic. It gets more realistic. All right. Now, sometimes what I will do is I will stand at one tree and look like, oh, over here to my left or over to my right, maybe 20 yards, 15, 20 yards is a better setup. That's a better tree. So I'll stand at tree number one and do a fly-down cackle with that sound, and I'll take my hat.
That imitates the wings beating as the bird's flying down. And then when you hit the ground, you go, puck, 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 as you walk away. Walk to your tra- second tree, set your butt down on that tree, put your shotgun up in your knee, and point it in the direction that the turkey's gobbling because there's instances where the turkey will fly completely off his roost and land within 20 feet of you right on the ground. He can pinpoint you within a few feet of where you are. That's how, that's how acute his hearing is. All right. And then there are other times that it's an hour and a half later, and you're still sitting, leaning against that tree, trying to figure out, hmm, what did I do wrong? Comes and, in quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. after you've done that whole scenario, being quiet and not throwing out any call, he's trying to figure out, so where did she go? Pretty much you're just doing that, you know, so you do the fly down cackle, and then we're rolling on to the next. Okay. Yep. Birds are on the ground. Yep. Birds are on the ground now. And the call I'm using today is um, the Crimson Jenny. It's a new call that was made by Edwin Shirts and Mr. Wingbones Calls. And this is a cherry wooden call with um, slate over glass. It costs about $60, but this is a great call. It's personally one of my favorites now. It does amazing raspy yelps, clucks, and even fighting purrs. So I would highly recommend this to anyone who's interested in a slate over glass because so far this is going to be my go-to call for this year. Without a doubt. I'm buying one. Good deal. That's deadly. That that tells him now um, she's on the ground. More than likely, she might be going to a nest that she's got an area, so... If uh, if he's got half a brain that left at this point, he's either going to fly down and expect her to come to him and gobble and gobble, or he's going to come looking for her. We never know this as a hunter because we never know what the situation was the day before. He may have been involved with a bunch of other birds, and um, he's a loner now. He may be a bird that is the most mature bird, and he's going to want to get there before some Jake comes in and steals her. So with that, you know, that's that's where the turkey hunting is becomes a chess game, you know. Um, I think that's the part that probably makes it the most fun is if if we could just throw out two calls and a bird came in, we'd be able to shoot the turkey and go home, and that would be the end of it, you know. And a lot of people do that. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are lucky and oh, do yeah. that. And now you, you know you can almost do it on the first on the first day, yeah, youth the, uh, youth weekend. You can almost do it with a McDonald's cup and a straw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yep. can almost do it, but. It goes like it literally comes in periods. So yeah, youth weekend, all those birds are naive and they don't know anything. First weekend they get pressured. Second weekend, third weekend, they're getting hammered. Yeah, you got to also look at turkey and almost like fishing in a way because, like fly fishing, how many flies can you go through before you find that right fly? Right. Same with turkey hunting. Sometimes it doesn't like that slate. Sometimes oh, it doesn't like that diaphragm. Right. All of a sudden, yeah. Sometimes all of a sudden, you hit that one call that works gotta... just that day better than it does the last day or yep. the the exactly. next day. I don't want to lose track where we are. I yep. want to go into all of the, all of that. But oh yeah. So birds are on the ground. You're trying your to get call. them fired up. Yeah. So at this point, this is a time to uh, really try to. Put your perspective, your your ability in perspective. Okay, uh, first pilot season is not bad. There's no bugs. Everything in the woods are kind of open. You can see a long ways. And when we say don't move, we mean don't move, because a turkey's eye ability uh, is like a ten power scope. All right. Now all mammals can see 
in, uh, in gray. They don't see fluorescent orange. They don't see color. All species of birds, all species of birds live on color. So they are looking for that hen, or they're looking for something that's going to be the The other thing you have to look at is everything eats turkey. We're not looking only for a turkey dinner, but coyotes, bobcats, great horned owls, everything. So now all of a sudden, they really want to come find that girl, but they would rather have her come to him because, uh, you know, the more I gobble, the more I tell the predators where I am. Okay. Some of you have gone as far as to shot gobbling to a coyote. Hell, yeah. Out yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've seen. You know? I've seen that recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, some in some areas, you know, you can actually shut turkeys down with a coyote call simply because for the last few weeks they've been pested by coyotes in an open field. All right. Um, I've seen that situation more than once. But um, basically, once you're there and you start getting that bird's attention, now what you want to do is focus on. Soft calls, and I, and, I, and I try to get this to a lot of people. The problem that we have as turkey hunters is we don't really think our ability is what it really should be. I have heard turkey hens that have yelped that I would have swore was some nine-year-old kid with a box call that had no idea how to do it. It right? doesn't have to be right? perfect. It doesn't every have time. to be perfect. Nope. And then all yeah. of a sudden, this hen comes walking out from underneath a juniper bush, and I'm looking at it like, "What happened to her? She must, she must have swallowed an acorn and can't, can't, <laughs> yeah. can't get it. Or can't, can't you know get it mean? Yeah. So it's not always that. It's more about the cadence. It's more about the rhythm that the that the tom wants to hear. And when he hears what he likes, he's going to start working his way in. I think what happens in a lot of instances right now in the month of April. Please, I can't get across to enough people. Don't call. Now is not the time to call turkeys. This is not the time to go out and find out if I can. You can go out right now on an area that has turkeys in it. Get out and slam two hubcaps together, and he's going to gobble. All right? I had if him doing that in my, in my lawn the other day. I, I walked right by the Toms and the Jakes, and the, the Tom was in full stride. I walked right by him, didn't even look at him. I sit in, the, I sit in my Jeep, and I look over. And the Tom's just, it's probably 30 yards, and he's just sitting there on the edge. I roll down my window, <laughs> slam the door. <laughs> yep. Just, <laughs> yeah, takes right off, yep, and then full it. strut. Yep, then it goes into full strut. Yep. Now, I'm like, oh, man. That, and then at this point, you think, oh, I'm going to kill that bird yeah, as soon no. as the first day. Guess what? <laughs> he's a one bird you won't kill. No. He's a one bird you won't kill. All Been right. There. And um, there. Yeah. so it, it's amazing. I think the thing that makes this sport what it is, or, uh, I can't even say, I shouldn't say a sport. A hobby? Uh, this, yeah, this hobby or, or whatever way you want to look at it. I can't say a sport. But I think what makes this what it is is the fact that you can get outsmarted by something that's got the brain the size of a walnut. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and and it, it teaches you humility. And yeah. it te- and, but the thing is, is it's, if we were to go sit in a boat, and every time that we cast out, we caught a five-pound bass, after a while, we wouldn't go fishing, all right? And it's a, I think it's the same way with turkey hunting. I, the things that we I, see, the totally things that we do. Yeah. Um, Ed and I, one day, we were trying to get this bird to gobble, and it wasn't working, and we got two owls wound up, and the next thing we know, we look up, and they're looking right down at us, what, 35 feet apart, and they're looking at us like, what in hell are you? <laughs> and they're, whoo, <laughs> you know, and then like, and, and I said, should we all hoot to him? And I did, and he looked at it, and like they all rustle up, like, get out of here, yeah. you know. So it's, 
you don't even have to kill a turkey that day. But it's some of the sites that you see doing things of camaraderie with friends and family, taking a young kid out for the first time, um, it's it it brings a whole new world to being outdoors. That if you were a deer hunter, you could sit in the blind until you had a beard, you know, five inches long and never see a deer. Or like in the state of New Hampshire, I tell people, if you don't kill the first deer you see, you may not get one. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. because we just don't live in that type of concentration in that type of area. Yeah. But um, the turkey hunting is completely different. You know, um, one of the things that I might do, especially like we're talking with different tactics, is I'll go to an area and there's turkeys in a semi-residential area. I can't hunt there. I can't hunt there. I'll take out my GPS and take a reading, and I'll drive around the neighborhood and go up over, and I'll, oh, there's a light line that goes up over the top of the mountain, and if I come in from a half mile away, I can call that Tom to me, not, right. you know. Not but, have to jump yeah, in to it, park it, your truck on the side of the road, not have to right. deal with any of the bullshit. Right, because exactly. what's happening is it's it's getting it's getting more and more, and I'm, I'm sad to say that in my early days I did this, and, and from time to time I still might do it, is, You'll go by an area that you found birds, and then you find out opening day somebody's packed in your spot that right. you thought you were going to hunt. and uh, You, you don't have a, plan B. Yeah, you don't yeah. have a plan B. You're scratching your head, and I like to put different spots together. Um, I have a little booklet, Ed and I, when we go out uh, on rainy days or windy days. Turkeys do not like to be in the, in the hardwoods. They want to be in, a, in an open field if they can be. They'll be out in the pouring rain. All I need to do is see them, and I'll write it down, all right? And I'll go back at you know, different times and find out. They moved a half a mile away from where they were the first time I saw them. But that's because the hens are taking them where they want to nest, where they want to go. And the toms are just following along to his good old boys. But with that little scenario that once we get that bird uh, committed and we start hearing him, he seems to be coming closer to us, I think what most of us end up doing is calling too much. We, we I bird. agree. We, we want to hear that gobble. We want to oh. make sure that he's coming to us. We want to make sure yeah. he's still yeah. right there. Yeah. So you keep. Yeah. So from what where we left off, and we did like the tree calls. We did a little bit of soft gobbling. You heard a gobble. If depending, I guess on the on setup, the situation. If it's in the yeah. field and you can see the bird, it's different. But if you're in the hardwoods or if you're in just a in a yeah, ridge line, whatever. What is the next call you're going to? Is it just yelps? Say if it all probably depends on the situation. Like, what if that bird's held up? So, say if that bird has hens, are you playing more? You know, obviously, are you going to shut up if if the birds are? You know, you have that bird committed, yeah. even though you don't know you have them committed. But yeah, you know, well, do you shut up or yeah. do you keep them? Do you keep them there? What's the next call to go to? I would sometimes. What's hard about that is that, you know. There are hunters that want to call the bird away, and there are hunters that are just let it go and hunt them another day. Yeah. yeah. But um, when you go out there in the woodlands, personally, you want to start with some good yelps and clucks, but you don't want to do it too much. Like, normally I give it a minute or two and have him come in because when you're calling to him, you want to call him to the area you're in. But once you see him or once he's close, you can hear him close by, that's when you want to stop calling because – the more you call, the more you're just going to give your location. And that's one of the exactly, things that yeah. when you're turkey hunting. They can pinpoint you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people even take a decoy out and put it right near the woodlands. That could be a no-no at times because once that gobbler sees the decoy, he's no, he knows it's there, and he might not come closer. But 
if the decoy's not there, he's going to come keep looking for it. I mean, it's just like if you're lost in the woods, what would you do if you hurt somebody but you can't find them? So I want to get back on the Yelps and Clucks. I want to show that in a second. But so you're you're saying is if they have a visual, if, the, if say you're the, if the turkeys, you're calling to the turkey, and then he finally has a visual. After he, you think he's locked onto the visual, you're you're done calling at that point. Yeah, and sometimes it's almost like you're gonna give the, give your position away, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah. it's like, so say if you hear that last gobble at seventy yards and you can't see him, you're pretty much done. You're yeah. you're all done calling because Just sit there and it, wait. because he's came a little closer, right, right. came a little closer. Then all of a sudden, seventy yards, fifty yards, he's still in the woods and yeah. you, you don't have an eye on him. Like, all right, I'm right. done. And and, and it, it changes. The problem is, it changes every single day. Right. Let's, let's look for an example where the turkey gobbled a lot on the roost. He heard your hen fly down, cackle. Everything seems to be going to like, oh, you're putting it. You don't know. The day before, he may have been chased off by a coyote. Okay. So now he's going to tiptoe his way in. He's not going to do a lot of gobbling that particular day. Sometimes it's barometric pressure. Uh, we'll, we'll keep him gobbling. Now, you just asked about what kind of call. There are turkeys that want to hear a cluck. And you could cluck them right to the end of the gun barrel. There's others that want to hear just that. And then there'd be. Can uh, we do clucks know, and yelks? Just yep. to give that sure. example. Let's hear it right here. We got clucks right here. Okay. Now that's not very loud, right? That's what you want to start out with because if he can hear that, that's what you, you got his attention. If you start doing that and all of a sudden he doesn't gobble, but you know that he's still around, all right? Pick it up a little higher. So right. you're not going faster. You're, no, just, you're not going You're faster. just bringing the pitch up a just little higher. It, you're putting a little bit more pressure on the call, and you're bringing it up a little higher. Now, at this point, if he starts gobbling with that, but he doesn't seem to want to come, throw in some clucks and yelps on a little bit higher pitch. Oh, this is putting a second ace on the table. When he starts gobbling to that, and he hears that, I'm about that to gobble. Yelp. Oh my god! Uh, I haven't seen her yet, but my god, is she pretty? Oh, oh my god! I just found my new love. Okay, so that kind of likes puts a second ace on the table. Now at this point, you think I can make out my tag. Wait till my friends see this. It's not quite done yet. Okay, no. because at this point, now he's got two things he's got to deal with. I want to meet that little girl, but I want somebody sneaking up and, and having me for breakfast. So he's going to try to take the root with the least amount of vegetation in the way. He's going to want an open area where he can see. And I like to be above my turkeys. I don't want to be on a downhill grade. I'd like to be either on the same plateau as them or I'd like to be a little bit above them. Because if they can come over a rise and look down a hill, they can look for a quarter of a mile and they're looking for anything that moves. And so at that point, that's the tough part. Now, um, at this point, though, if he's, if he's gobbling, he's coming in, the next thing that you're going to want to listen to is going to be a spit and drum, and it's like, and what he's doing is he's expelling air over his chest. He's got his wings out. He's strutting. He's got his feathers all standing up. He looks like a 55-gallon drum, but he only weighs about 18 pounds, <laughs> but he looks like a giant bird, right? And what he's trying to do is he's trying to press that hen. I'm right here. I'm right here. So at that point, if you start calling to him with any type of call, he's pretty much at this point just going to stand here for an hour or so 
and stay in the same place and gobble. It's almost like he snapped a line in the woods. I'm coming to here, but I'm not coming any further. All right? And that's on a bird that's usually a mature bird. An immature bird, a Jake. <laughs> he's, he's coming right yeah, in. Yeah, he's coming right in. He's dumb in a bag of rocks. Oh, I got a girl. I've, I got a girl. Obvi- I've obviously <coughs> had that last season. I, yeah. I yeah. was like, it was, I was at my limit. I don't want to shoot any further than this. And he hung up there and hung up there, and I was like, I'm going to shoot him. But there was no, I didn't have a decoy out. So yeah. it was like he was just going to circle there and gobble and circle there and gobble and yeah. strut and drag his wings. And at, at, uh, at one point, I'm like, all right, this is as close as he's going to get before he figures me out. So right. I, right. I know exactly what scenario you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But you know, now with this scenario, because we've been there and done it a, a few times, now may not be the time to try to get up and move. Definitely not. He's going to pick up any type of movement you have. All right. However, there may be a subdominant bird or there may be an adult Tom that's been listening to this whole scenario for 40 minutes. Hanging off the side. Hanging off to the side. And he hasn't gobbled. I've had this more than one occasion where all of a sudden out of my peripheral vision to my right or to my left, I just saw something move. I'll turn my head just a little bit and look. And there is a great big old long beard coming in. First of all, Part of the problem in the springtime is they're always fighting for dominance. Every morning they start a new pecking order. That's why I say if somebody killed that long that long beard, that doesn't mean that the game's over. There's no more good hunting there. That means that for the next two or three days he's not gobbling on the roost. Mm-hmm. So somebody else is going to take over his over his area. We can preach for that. The, yeah. That one spot yeah. we always hunt. It's always yeah. like yep. you go there the next exactly. week and shoot another bird. Go yep. there the next week and shoot exactly. another bird. Exactly. Because they they you've had them. A chance to, to give them a, a chance to rest and, and to find out that the, the hens are still in the area, still what's going on. But if you look at it like, and, and after having some experience, after a while, you just say, I'm not shooting any jakes. I don't want to shoot a jake this year. I'm going to shoot a mature bird. That's when it's like winning a tennis game, you know, a tennis match. You know, you just went in there and you go, I'm not just going to play a tennis match. I'm going to win it today. So what you do is you wait them out. And then, the best part about waiting him out is you didn't kill that bird. You didn't educate that bird. Oh, you smart. educated yourself on how to be able to make that. I have had turkeys get within 40 yards of me looking over the top of a white birch log with a head sticking up about 10 inches and wanting to pull a trigger in the worst way, knowing I'm going to kill a white birch tree, um, <laughs> and let them walk away. Yeah. Let them completely walk away. I can hunt him another day. I didn't teach him. I didn't touch him. I didn't mess him up or whatever. I've also had times when the next thing, oh, that bird that I've been working on for an hour and a half is now 200 yards away. It's like, what just happened? Hand may have come in that I didn't see. There's so many Often unanswered yeah, questions. There's so many. There is. There's so exactly. many. Right. But I've also had times when I've gotten up and gone up to that white birch tree after the bird's gone off and given him 15. I've taken a nap and woke up to because he remembers where that hen was at 8 o'clock. At 8 (laughs) o'clock. Yeah, yeah. All right. I become that hen again. That's worked out more than one time. Just Um, waiting them out. Just waiting them out, you know. Getting up. And listen, at at one point many, many years ago, I'm hunting down to Bosquin. Uh, I'm playing the same g- type of game with this Tom and I go underneath this big pine lot and I take a nap and I wake up a little later on and, um, he's coming, he's gobbling, he's coming in. So I moved down to the tree where he was and uh, I got everything going and I, oh, I'm going to kill this bird. Wait till my friend see this bird that I just shot. Now I've got a 12 gauge pump. Okay. 
I'm a semi-automatic guy, but I got a 12-gauge pump. So what happens is the bird comes in. Now, here is my number one problem. When I get ready to empty my shotgun, I just jack the shells out on the ground, pick them up, and stick them in my pocket. Okay? When I got there that morning, the turkey was roosting in that pine lot. Hadn't roosted there before. So when I threw out my owl hoot and he's in that roost, I, I can't go there. So I just got back in the car and waited till he flew away, and then I got out and I started doing my game. The turkey's coming that's, in. I, that's, peop, that's things that people don't do, though. Right. They're just like, I'm going no, in. i got to exactly find a right. way to hunt that. Yep. I they said might. you were patient, waited out that bird. Yeah. Exactly. So what happens is I get there. I get to down to that little white birch line in the sand type of deal, and I get there, and I wait, and I start throwing out some calls, and he is gobbling, double, triple cobbling. He's coming, and I can hit spit and drum, and, oh, my God, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. I put the bead right on his – I don't shoot a bird in the head. I never aim at a turkey's head. What I aim is I problem. aim down for where the waddles or chronicles meet the feathers in the neck. And if I'm hunting with friends and they're sitting beside me, I never say the word shoot or don't shoot simply because sometimes they will go and shoot when I just said don't shoot. So instead what I do is I say, take them. And I say it loudly. And the bird goes, what the hell was that? And he sticks his head up in the air. Now I got the entire neck area to be able to shoot at. So I get this turkey to come in. He does everything I'm doing. I oh my God, I'm so smart. It's unbelievable. I pull it, <laughs> I pull the trigger. The gun doesn't go off. I went, oh, no. So I take the safety and I push it back the other way. Pull the trigger. The gun doesn't go off. I'm thinking, you idiot. You've been sitting here for all this time. Never jacked a shell with, in. With never having the safety. I had the safety off. And I looked at it. I went, no, he didn't. I had the safety on. So I click it off. And I pull the trigger again. The gun doesn't go off. And I'm pointing at the turkey, and he's getting closer, and he's getting closer. And at this point, I'm going, oh, my God, I'm about ready to fill my shorts. And he's right there in front of me. How can I miss this turkey? Guess what? When I jacked the shells out the day before, I bent the brass that was on one of the shells. And when I went to put it in the receiver, it never closed the entire action. So you, it didn't have so a full pull forward. It didn't have it yeah. forward. So the gun never would, would go off. Your, so your firing pin went. So it's, yeah, went exactly. Here. So you'd have to recock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get the shell out. Jam it. Oh. I couldn't, I couldn't pump it and get the shell out because the brass was, the was, was, was wedged, was in, in wedged inside of the, the round chamber. All right. So today, if any of you guys are hunting down in the Bosquin area, I can tell you the address of the road and everything, you f might find a Mossberg 500 <laughs> pump shotgun because when I get <laughs> done, I, <laughs> I threw it out in the swamp and I went back to my semi-automatic. So if you're down here sometime and you come up on an old rusty um, Mossberg 500. Give me you a can, call. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you a bill of sale for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, awesome. it's that type of frustration. And it's that love in what we do is why we do what we do. And now, once you can start doing that, the thing that's going to turn your whole table towards turkey hunting is taking kids out. Taking kids yeah. or, that, or that wife enjoy... that's finally let you go and you take her out. And, she, and, and then all of a sudden you find out that, oh, my God, she's got more patience than God. And she's just kicking my butt because, you know, I, and I have a friend of mine right now that's killed one deer and his wife's shot probably 11. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just the way it goes. He That's couldn't perfect. sneak up on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, learning the turkey call aspect of it, I think, is as fun. Uh, one day, uh, Ed and I were in um, Bass Pro Shop, and this young girl comes along, and, oh, my God, it, it sounded like fingernails on a chalkboard. 
and uh, you could hear it resonate throughout the store. And, and the next thing you know, I hear, rip, 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 rip. and I look, and that little girl is making the best Swedish Yelp. She figured it out. And Ed showed her how to hold it on an angle and how to put your finger on for the pressure and how to do that. But there are people out there who will never, ever be able to use a mouth call. But that doesn't mean you can't. Turkey on. Um, you know, right. turkey on. Yeah. And can I, I, can I, I started one of these cut, and, Can I use one of these? Sure. I cut my... I cut my... Um, uh, I cut my turkey hunting days on a um, lynch wooden box call and a little lynch uh, peg, uh, peg and slate. And, you know, maybe it was because it was the early days and there weren't many guys out there. I don't know. That may be the difference in what you have for a reed. That might be a double reed. It might be a, 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 a cutter. All right. Probably the best thing you should do is... I got a cutter right here. Start out with like a single reed, call, all right, and try to say the word chuck. All right. I think it's a call. There you go. That's good. Yep. Okay, you go. Now... Sorry, <laughs> it's supposed to be a podcast. We were just yeah, doing turkey calls. Yeah. No, but you know, the thing is, you think that you're not going to be very good at it, and you know, I heard the guy on TV. Well, I was watching, I was watching um, a TV the other day when uh, Michael Waddell was hunting with a decoy with the wings hanging down yeah. the side, and he's trying to get the, uh, trying to do a. Um, uh, a fighting purr, and he's banging, he's banging the wings on, it, and he's calling with a hand call, and he's brr, 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 he's putting, and he's going and going. That all looks like so easy, but Michael Waddell started out with uh, Primo's calls in its infancy, and those Georgia boys have been calling turkeys for ninety years, right. and this is all kind of new to us. But you know, start out with a little. Hmm. That worked out all right. You didn't choke. You didn't gag. All right. So that's and and it's just having this thing in wait, the roof what, of your mouth. Wait, is what, hard what if for you're hung, hung over in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. They all sound good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, as I say, when I first started out trying to learn how to do this for an elk call, I was spitting this thing on the ground, choking on it because I thought I had to have it too far back. You just have it in the roof of your mouth, and your tongue's just lightly Press touching your tongue, the tongue. And the your air is supposed to go over your tongue yep. through the yep. call. So if you're, if you're holding it with doing nothing, that's just air going over it. Now you're going to go. That's, that's a that nice, crazy purr. That's a that nice little purr. That's, that's a diaphragm call, people. Yep. Yep. That's a thick purr. Yep. Hold on. I want to hear that again. Uh, give me one second. Give these guys a shout out real quick of these calls that we're using right now. Uh, Richland Valley makes these calls. Uh, it is called Running Wild Turkey Calls, and he's in Webster, New Hampshire. Um, 
He's been making these for a few years. Uh, does a great job. Um, he sent me a package this weekend. Uh, there's 20 different calls. Some of them have uh, different kind of cutouts. Some of the names of them are you know, like Huck Finn, um, Twisted Sisters, one that I like. I got a boot, bootlegger. The bootlegger, Tommy we got, Hawk. We got Stealth. You know, these are just some of the names of the Rum calls. Rum Runner. Now he's got all moonshine names. What what makes these calls? What makes these calls different is some of the reeds that are in them are thick, with a reed underneath it that's right. thin, and right. it's got a little notch cut in it. So what it does, it it, cut, it allows that. And ironically enough, there are some turkeys out there. That will go absolutely nuts over a mouth diaphragm call. And you can throw a box call, a slate call at them, and they've done nothing. They've just basically, you know, they, that didn't turn their their, uh, their little brain into high gear. Right. But it's that high pitch. And usually it's the hen that's coming off the nest, you know. Now, here's one of the scenarios that's going to happen to you as the season progresses. That hen's going to be going to the nest in the middle of the day. All right. So if you get there in the morning and you got a bird that came in part way and he turned and he walked out or you heard a hen and she started yelping like, where you going, Billy? Where you going? And he turns around and he leaves with her. Don't give up. All right. Don't give up. Because what's going to happen is usually somewhere between 930 and maybe 11 o'clock and the sun comes out and gets nice and warm. He's out there strutting, trying to show, boy, am I pretty. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And while he's strutting, all of a sudden, she's pecking away in the grass and everything. And when he's not paying attention, she bolts. She runs off like a roadrunner because she goes to her nest to lay another egg. The reason she does that is because if she doesn't sneak off when he's not looking, he'll follow her right to the nest. She'll be sitting on the nest, and he's going to be standing up there strutting for three and a half hours letting every predator in the area know where her nest is. So she will sneak off and leave him high and dry. Well, when she leaves him high and dry, he kind of remembers where he heard Sally first thing in the morning. So you can leave. You can leave that hunting area. Go get in your vehicle. Go and come back. You may not start in exactly the same tree, but if you start in a general location from a different area, he's going to think that you moved from where you were first thing in the morning. All right. Now, when we get into a fall situation, all right, now, even in the spring, you're going to start hearing uh, a, um, sometimes when you're out there, you're going to hear a kiki run. All right. And a kiki is basically a turkey that's been lost. All right. Or a turkey roosted in one area and the flock roosted in another. All right. I want to get back to where you are. Right? We want to get back together. Now, here's the situation. In the springtime, you're going to hear a kiki that's going to be like this. It's kind of low, kind of deep, all right? In the fall, when you're out there and you've got in a flock of birds, the kiki is going to be much different. It's going to be... Those are those younger birds. That's a younger bird. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be doing that in the springtime because you're going to automatically, they're going to look at it like, yeah, it's not happening. Okay. Can you run that on the call real quick, too? <clears throat> um, you, Dad, have the single or double read, and that's why I usually use it on the Kiki run right there. 
shot. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You practice? No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why he's been to the Grand National. That's why he's been to the Grand Nationals, you know? But, but I, um, as much as I love using the Kiki run the mouth call, too, there are some um, specific calls out there. For example, I've seen um, Andy Duvall's um, slate Kiki disc, where it's a specifically designed slate call that some people would take a really, really thin striker. And usually it's then like a, not like a pencil, but it's like double the pencil, but bigger on the top. And they make that same call in there. And I actually did that four years ago. I was hunting down over near Lakes Region area and we stumbled a bunch of turkeys. My dad got tired, so he took a nap in the car. <laughs> and so I decided, <laughs> why not? I went down there with my shotgun on my key disc and I let a, and about five minutes later, I'm hearing, yup, 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 yup. And so here come these other bigger turkeys flying up the area. Now, I didn't see any Toms or Jakes the first time we saw them before. So I figured, yeah, what the heck. So I took a nice big um, bit team pound hen. But that was an experience right there that, you know, you practice long enough, you get used to what you're doing. That sometimes you do it by yourself. And it's just a big old hen. You know? Oh, yeah. And that Good was deal. my personal first time I ever ha- harvested a turkey by myself because, you know, you practice a lot in the woods and you go out there and it's just a matter of understanding what the calls are and how they're made. So, And you learn a lot about that experience when you go to conventions like the one in Nashville because, believe me, you go down there and all you ever hear is turkey calls, even waterfowl calls. You hear it'll be like walking through a farm full of turkeys at the grand yeah. nationals last year there was fifty-two thousand people who went through oh, the grand nationals gosh. and there were a little over 700 vendors that were at the grand nationals wow. it was unbelievable and you'll meet some and of the most famous hunters down there like michael waddell rick white yeah. Yeah. um eddie salter turkey man eddie salter yeah. yeah and i met some of the best turkey callers in the nation i've met hunter wallace i've met uh, Matt Van Kuys and some of the uh, best callers down there that you're never going to see anywhere elsewhere unless you get to know them. You know, it's just it's an amazing experience, especially when you're from New England. Because good for you, dude. Yeah. That is it's an still awesome new. experience. Yeah. Exactly, man. it's still new. Yeah, it's awesome. yeah. The Grand Nationals. There's turkey calling. Uh, there are turkey making competitions. All right, where they make everything from box calls, slate calls. They make turkey calls. They make fancy, fancy hand carved. Yeah, all custom calls. calls. Even even decorative decorative calls. Right, and you get to bid on them. They're donated. They are. You can get a certain percentage come to you if you sell it at the uh, there. Or what you can say is, listen, I want the uh, I want the money to go to the National Wild Turkey Federation. So if you make a particular call, um, I bought a call a couple years ago. Uh, I paid forty five dollars for it. And um, the guy that actually made it wanted to buy it back. He said, listen, I'll give you 150 for it. And I said, no, that's all right. I'd like to have it. And it was made out of slate, slated maple. Mm-hmm. And it had the slated maple striker 
I lost it within an hour after I had it. Killed me. You know what I mean? Because it was a match payout. You know what I mean? It's like, that all the time. I've lost, like, right. I must have left that uh, that striker at the tree. I got an extra one. All yeah, right. You should have burned yeah. your eyes. Yeah. 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 Just leave everything there. But Ed and I, I killed a turkey this year, and Ed and I were driving down the road. I go, come on, you got to help me. He goes, what, what, what are you doing? So we're walking up, and lo and behold, he finds another shed antler on the way up to no shit. I was saying, I was sitting right here. I got it all dug up. I could not find my striker for nothing. And I looked down in between two rocks. I could see the head of it sticking up between two rocks. I went, "Yeah, I'll never hunt there again." That's my that's my thing. If I do something and I have to go back because there's something stupid I did, that, you ain't going retired. back. It's my, well, not, you can ship us that address. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, now, Ed, why don't you tell them about one of the new things that you're uh, using here with these stealth shades? These are kind of cool. Yes, um, this is a shout-out to my buddy Joe King, head of Stealth Shades and Snoop Brand Official. Um, when I went to the Nationals um, last year in 2020, I saw he had this brand called Snood, and it really intrigued me because I thought it was a cool parody of outdoor turkey hunting. So basically I gave a uh, shout-out to him. I talked to him, and he invited me to be a part of um, Snoop Brand. So um, when I checked out his other business, Stealth Shades, I was intrigued because – these are something I've never seen before, and I think this could be the new feature of using for turkey hunting. What it is, these stealth shades, it kind of looks like um, buck glasses because they have that sharp opening to them. We and can what post this, some pictures of it for you guys, too. And what this specifically is, is that um, it's made of some kind of strong plastic, and you can get whatever color you want on their website from uh, originally treason early or treason late. But these stealth shades work perfectly for any hunter who wants to go out there turkey hunting. What happens is, is that there have been scenarios that even when you're wearing a mask or full painted camo, the turkey's eyesight and their perception on their eyesight is so incredible that they've been able to pick up eye movement. And when that happens, the turkey will pull out of there like going 100 miles an hour. But with these stealth shades, what it is is that it allows you to blend in and help keep your vision of your eyesight away yeah, from the turkey's eyesight. So while one. they can't see you, you can oh, see them. At something towards the and it works perfectly because that way it fits on to your face. You don't have to wear too much camo. And because I wear glasses, and at some point I think I'm going to get contact lenses. And when I do, it'll make it easier for me to wear those shades because there have been times I've been out, I've been out hunting when I was a kid with my dad, and... There was one time we were hunting up near a field up north of New Hampshire, and I had this bird coming in. But even while I stood perfectly still, he was looking directly right at us with his head turned our direction. All of a sudden, puck, 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 puck. I did kill that turkey, but when he saw my oh, eyesight, right. it would have been game over if I had not reacted fast enough. Right, but right. With these stealth shades, it can help you um, keep your sight, your eyesight away from theirs, and. Because it's like with coyotes trying to ambush the turkey. I mean, they can see almost everything. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. So, These shades look a lot. If you've ever seen anything with Alaskan sunglasses, the glare in Alaska on all that snow is so bright that it's hard to see. These basically, these glasses are uh, form fit to your face. There's a little shield down over the front that cuts down uh, glare. But there's like an eighth-inch groove around the front. And li it lines right up with the center of your pupils so that when you're looking, um, 
this works really well for Ed because as the turkey gets close and he realizes I'm about to put the final touches on my hunt, he'll take his glasses off. He'll slide the, the, the stealth um, glasses on. The ironic thing, is he looks like a giant bug sitting there because he's all dressed up in camo and he looks like a, he looks like he just... The, uh, the weird thing is, is like you wear sunglasses and then you're like, all yeah. right, I got sunglasses on and like these things are like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding my fingers over my eyes like a binoculars. Yeah. You put those on, and you don't lose much vision. You don't, don't because no, it's weird. Yeah, because where your pupils are, like yeah, you're saying, they're, yeah, they're, right, they're completely in line. And even if you're looking down, there's a line that goes down, and um, they may look kind of funny to be able to see. But um, you know, if you've been busted once or twice because you're trying, and there are guys, I have friends that can't hunt without wearing a pair of sunglasses, and there's nothing any worse than either those mirrored or something that's shiny and. And when a turkey yeah, can, can see color and all of a sudden that glint shows, you know, it's amazing how a bird can turn inside out and be there one second and gone the next. But uh, it does teach us that's part of that humility part that I was talking about, uh, enjoying the turkey hunting. But um, when, you, when you start getting into this and you've got a turkey or two under your belt and you start saying to yourself, I don't need to kill a turkey today. I just want to go out and hear a turkey. And then you start taking a kid or a woman out there, and for the first time, Dave gets to see some of the things that we've been enjoying over the years. Um, I can remember oh, one time taking a guy out, and the next thing you know, I look over, and in his hat, he's got a whole bunch of fiddleheads because uh, he heard that fiddleheads were good. And I went over, and I told him, I said, uh, you might not want to eat those. And he goes, why not? And I said, those aren't fiddleheads. <laughs> they were the wrong ones. The other ferns. They were the ferns, you know. And he goes, oh, all right. But, um, you know, uh, on, a, on a different scenario one time, I, I, I took this young man whose dad passed away shortly after I, I took him out. And uh, he died of cancer, and he was feeling pretty bad and pretty low because of what stuff his dad was going through. And um, he always wanted to be in the military, wanted to be a soldier, so he was always wanted to do something with guns but his dad wouldn't have anything to do with guns you know and i think he probably with how he was feeling his family decided i don't want him to have a gun either because he may end up committing suicide because he was in such bad shape yeah. and i just felt this would be a great time to take the kid out and get something off his mind so we go out this particular morning and we got birds gobbling all over the place and he got to actually see four jakes come in and wing-beating, banging, slamming, gobbling, hissing, spitting, a turkey fight like you've never seen before the very first time he went out. And he said at the end when I took him home, I said, he said, Mr. Ash, if I never, ever go again, he said, that was the most incredible day I've ever had. And he thanked me. So I said to him, are you going to be ready in the morning? And he went, huh? And I said, yeah, you want to go again in the morning? He goes, well, yeah. So... Uh, I picked him up. We go back to where it was. The wind came up, and things had completely changed. The turkeys were on the top of a hill, completely different from where they were before. So I told him, you follow me and step where I step, okay? Because he was kind of clumsy in the woods and making a lot of noise. So as we were walking in, he's doing what I asked him. He's doing good. He's dressed in complete camo from top to bottom. And suddenly, I said to him, I said, Oop, can you hear the birds up on the hill? He goes, yeah. I said, now turn around and look behind us. So he looked, and I said, what do you see? He goes, I see everything, because he was looking downhill. I said, all right, now turn around and look up the hill. How much can you see? He says, not very much, because stuff growing in front of me, I can't see as well. 
I said, lesson number one and lesson number two. He goes, that was cool. So we walked a little further, and he's stepping on rocks and stepping on things, being as quiet as he can. And we got the birds to gobbling again. And I told him, I said, Tim, I want you to go over by that tree and just sit right down right there. And I'm going to get the birds to come over towards you. He goes, okay. This kid turns, takes three steps, and there's a bear. The bear turns and starts running up the hill, crashing through the woods, going up the hill, all right? And the bear didn't move for a while because this great big tree, which was Tim, was walking right at him. And the bear looked like a pug dog. He had his head tipped to the right, tipped to the left, tipped to the right, trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell's this tree doing, right? And finally he realized, oh, that's not a tree, and he ran off. So Tim sits down at the bottom of the tree, and I don't dare to tell him that it's a bear because, first, I don't want to scare the death out of him, and, two, I don't want him shooting at the bear with birdshot because he doesn't know what the seasons is because he's never hunted before. This is a mentor type of deal. So we started calling, and we get the birds, and I says, oh, I can see the tail feathers up there. And I told him, I said, oh, the bird that's coming down through the woods is not the same one that we just saw the tail feathers. So we got a couple turkeys coming. The turkey jumps up on a rock. He shoots and kills this turkey. And he jumps up happy as a clam, runs out to the turkey, and uh, grabs it by the legs. And, of course, it's still alive. And it's spinning in circles. And the wings are beating the snot out of him. Uh, he didn't get cut. No, he didn't get cut because he didn't have big spurs, right? And then he goes and he puts a bird down. He goes, Mr. Ash, are those bear tracks? And I said, Timmy, the bear was standing right there. And I took him back over from where the bear originally was. And he said, you can never change my life. From this day forward, I went, here's a kid that's never been out in the woods before. Went from seeing this four-bird turkey fight at 20 yards on one day and then going and walking up in dressed in camo yeah. within 20 feet of a bear trying to figure out what he was. And I said, so him wh- shooting his first that was bird. it, and, and him shooting exactly. his first bird, right? Yeah. And so when you, when you bring that into perspective, when he came home and then later on when his, when his dad died, he said to me, he said, you know, if my dad hadn't been so sick, I think what I really would have liked to have done is got you and me together and taken my dad out yeah. and just had him hear a bird gobble. And I thought afterwards, Probably I said, changed his what, mind. What, a, what, a oh, great, yeah. what a great way. I mean, it was too late afterwards, of you know course, what I mean? But, you know, but. some of those things. And uh, But the turkey hunting, there's been some amazing things. Sitting in a blind one day, my, my decoy is in front of us. I'm trying to teach this kid um, that grew up, with, went to school with Ed. His, his dad doesn't hunt either. And we're sitting in the blind, and he's sitting on a joint compound bucket, and he falls off the bucket, pretty much takes me out. And I said to him, Adam, what's wrong? He goes, Something just knocked me off my bucket. I went, what? Something just knocked me off my bucket. We're talking cloth here. We're talking a piece of cloth between him and the bucket. So I move up towards the window, and I look, and there's a bear laying, leaning against our blind, our doghouse blind. What? And I'm going, you're kidding me. He is staring at my decoy, moving back and forth. So now this big this bear, he's probably a two-year-old, all right, 125, 130 pounds, is trying to put the sneak on my decoy, all right? And I I'm said, they'll never right? catch me. And, right? Yeah. And I said to him, I said, Adam, move your foot. He goes, okay, what are you going to do? 
and I kicked through the cloth, and I kicked the bear in the rump. He jumps up, and he runs off, and he is so scared that something just touched him yeah. that his back, his front legs are now behind his back legs. <laughs> He's, He's trucking. He is trucking through there, and Adam goes, oh, my God, that was awesome. He goes, I know where I'm going to hunt this year. I said, well, he may not be here. But as we sat there, I'm giving him the what for and what was going on and how the bear probably just came out of hibernation and there's no food yeah. and he's looking for the easiest, quickest it's meal. probably his first year on his own, right? too. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. big time. Exactly. Yeah. And at this point, he said, Mr. Ash, is that a turkey strutting? I, I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear. What, what are you hearing? He goes, oh. I went, no, turkeys are going to hear. No, it's just a, it's just a sound. You know, it's, it's just, just a, a sound. sound. It's just yeah. a sound, right? So he said, it, it's right here. It's right here. I reached back over my shoulder, and I unzipped the pack of the, do- the doorway about three inches. I had two more bears. I had a big sow and another yelling oh, cub. Another cub. Right? So we were evidently right on top of their um, den. We were really, really, there was a big brush pile, and oh, I sat oh. up on the other side of the brush pile. So evidently we were hide right there. Hide your candy. Yeah. yeah, hide your candy. It's like, oh, you know, if we can't eat turkey, these guys look good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, ironically enough, it didn't scare him, you know, you know. But I told him, I said, this is the thing. I've never found a shed antler. He finds two. I do this, he does that. My son is so stinking lucky that one day we're out fishing underneath this bridge, up going up towards Waterville Valley. He says, Dad, hold my pole. Hold your own pole. You know, why do I want to hold your pole? So I go and hold the pole. He reaches down in the water and comes up with a 1904 silver dollar. Now, what the hell's the chances of that? Get out of here. <laughs> 1904. You know what I mean? But it's it's those things that we do when we're outside. Yeah. And those times when you take your son or your daughter you know, or, or your neighbor's kid it's all about and the they go out. It really the experience. Whether it be experience. a moose calf walking up to you or uh, it, it could be any number of different things. You know, it's, it's I, I've had one instance. It was the scariest thing I ever had in my life is sitting in my blind and I could hear something rubbing against one side and I look over thinking chipmunk. Chipmunk, chipmunk, right? All of a sudden, this nose comes snooping underneath the bottom. I went, That's not a chipmunk. Big black nose. Uh, it was a nice skunk. And this skunk had oh, a great... He was more white than he was black. Now he's inside the blind along with me. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, bud, how do you get out of this, right? <laughs> so instead, what I just did was I just pushed on the left-hand side and brought the right-hand side up off the ground about a foot so he could walk up from underneath the bottom, <laughs> and he just walked away. Oh, thank you, Lord. That was really <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a blowout big time, you know? But, uh, you, know, I, you know, it's things like that, you know? Come home naked and going, what happened? Yeah, you don't want to know. You don't, know. <laughs> don't go out to the car. It it's smells been, like crap. It's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're getting tight on time here, but uh, we're, can we, we go believe through it, some, but, uh, uh, your, I want to, I want to leave off with some calling. So yeah, calling uh, and, uh, tournament some, calling, some whatever you want to do, go through some, you uh, want to blow out a sequence for us? Um, one of the, um, calls that I did a couple years ago and the first time I tried it in, it was hard for me to understand at first because I never heard of it. Um, and then last year, 2020, I did a great job with this call, and it was the gobbler yelp, or the Jake yelp, what you like to call it. And what it is is that all turkeys yelp. And, of course, the hens are the ones that are yelping the most, but at times when either a Jake is still growing and he has a lot to learn or if a gobbler is in the fall or spring and try to get anyone's attention, mm-hmm. um, there have been times where – especially in 
the fall when a jake is by itself or it's trying to get other birds attention and he'll do a a deeper tone yelp than your average hen like a yelp 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 and um one of the calls that i don't have with me today but i do recommend giving it a try mr Weenbones calls as well um he has the gray ghost it's an aluminum call that he has over walnut and what I personally like to use is um, an acrylic call, and it's basically a clear dowel attached to um, the tip of the striker top. And what it does is it brings that deep, dark tone to it. And sometimes it's um, it's inconsistent, but most of the time it's really slow. It's not as fast cadence as it is for the yen- hen yelping. Mm-hmm. So that's when I basically take um, a double slate call and a clear acrylic call, and you just want to go, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's one of the things I was going to mention uh, as well, is that um, that was another theory that, aside from using the spit and drum or a gobble call, some people will often use um, a Jake yelp. Jake yelp. Jake yelp. To get bring the, in one of those toms. To get bring in one of those toms. Beat up one of those bo- birds. Yeah. Can yeah. you give us any? <clears throat> yeah, because basically um, what he'll do is that he'll get triggered by that Jake yelp, because, I mean, for one, it sounds similar to a hen yelp. And the second is that, given how it's deeper, it sounds like a jake. That's another thing that so will trigger him the most. So this is a one-year-old bird. Yeah. And he's, he's like the teenager who's, he's, who's got a cocky attitude. But, you know, here, uh, go ahead. And when nothing else has worked, and it seems like you've got you've run out of everything in your pocket, that sometimes can be the the frosting on the cake. Because what happens is, how would you describe that call? It's like a longer hen yelp, longer hen, it's a deeper uh, long- and a shorter hen yelp, right? Like if because I I always recommend an acrylic yeah, shorter, striker. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and. Um, Basically, you want to sound as deep as possible, mm-hmm. and you don't want to go. Sometimes you can go a little center faster. of the call. Is it like a position of the call? Uh, mostly on the, the edge state. or in the middle, kind of like right here in the middle. I go. Now I've heard people go and hear that and go, "God, the guy's not doing a very good call because it's not that high pitched." That's that's a lousy hen call. It's not a hen call. They it's just don't know yelp. what it is. Well, she's yeah. a guy, See what I mean? So, so <laughs> well, she's a guy. She's a guy. Good to good to an end. That's a really good one. Yeah. All right, Eddie. Two points on that one. But um, oh, that that's the type of call that when you when you do that, you're giving a step up from other hunters that haven't heard it before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, locate a call. Um, I, I, Piliated woodpecker you know, works. Piliated woodpecker. It's, it's amazing how sometimes yeah. that'll work. Uh, peacock with a. What the hell is that? You know, we don't have any peacocks. No, but what happens? They'll gobble back <laughs> they don't because they don't, they don't yeah. know. It's it's right? basically a trigger noise. Yeah. Trigger yeah. noise. Trigger noise. Yep. Yep. Now, and, um, one of the things that um, also Ed's been doing uh, with the. Uh, the Kiki disc, and I got to give a lot of people warning on this. Um, Woodhaven makes a disc. All right, it's about a quarter of an inch thick, and it's got aluminum on top, 
and it is a real dense dark material. It's a hundred dollars, and you can get the sweetest, highest kiki on it. All right, but you got to find the right spot. The day that we were down there at, at Woodhaven at the Nationals, the boy that was doing it was putting so much pressure on his finger on the end of the striker to be able to make it that kiki that he could only do it for a little while, then he had to give it a rest, all right? But when he would go out there and take that call and start with that <laughs> and hitting that gop, 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 and hitting that spot, there were guys flocking with $100 bills to buy one because they'd never heard one before. Mm-hmm. But really? it became a $100 boat anchor because they could spend the rest of their life, if they couldn't find that spot in the right striker, it didn't kiki. Yeah. All right, it didn't It kiki. just comes with experience it comes and with practice. experience, okay? Exactly. Just practice, so, straight practice. Right. I'm guessing yep. so you've been I guess doing. what that, we're trying to get at. nothing but competition calling is straight oh, yeah. practice. Yeah. I guess what yeah, we're trying to get at right now is yes. we yeah. don't need all of these things to kill a turkey. Pick out one thing that works good for you, whether it be a slate call, box call, mouth diaphragm call, and practice. Yeah. However, don't practice on turkeys. Right. All right. <laughs> practice in your car. Practice, practice in your, in your car. Practice you know, in your car, your basement, yep. the gym, you know, like the shower. I taught, I taught a guy that was a state trooper uh, to do the spit and drum, and he called me up one day and he goes, I wouldn't have killed a turkey today if we hadn't been, if you hadn't shown me the spit and drum. But he's driving down the interstate, you know, on duty. <laughs> Records it. Hmm, I sound pretty good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And he got it. And, and what happened was when the bird came in, he tried everything, been working bird for almost two hours. And then finally he just was going to give up on it. And then he said, oh, I remember Ed told me about that spit and drum. And he tried it. The bird came in, and he was sitting in a blind, and the bird actually thought the, the, the Jake was on the other side of the blind. He went to the right. He went to the left. He's trying to figure out, looking like that blind was a rock. It's here, but I can't see it. Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm going to kick his butt as soon as I do. He was wound up for bears. And up until then, he was just a turkey looking for a hen. All right. So it's it's worth the shot, but it's not a loud call, and it's a close-up call. It's going to be something that when a bird's usually within 25 or 30 yards is when you're going to actually be able to hit that, hear that spit drum. All right. Mm-hmm. And the reason they get all fired up for it is because why he's been doing all the gobbling, and he's been talking to the hen that's been talking back to him, all of a sudden, he thinks some pimple-nosed teenager is going to sp- come in and steal his girlfriend. Right, right. right? And I'm going to go kick his butt. I'm not going to be outdone by some little punk that's just trying to steal my girl. And that could be the finishing touches on your, on yeah. your thing, you know. So it's stuff like that uh, that does it. Um, we've also made turkey calls uh, ourselves out of different things. Um, Ed, I, has a, Ed has a turkey shell, a turtle shell at the house. That I took a piece of slate and actually cut it with a chisel, sanded it, and he had, and it gets kiki down in one corner. You hold it over here and you put the striker in here, and you can get a nice Jake yelp. And because it's got so many corners and so many turns, where <laughs> the epoxy up awesome. in here, where the epoxy is, will be a different sound in here. And sometimes it's about the striker. Sometimes it's a nice wood striker. Other times it might be an acrylic striker, exactly uh, aluminum. I've had guys that are going take an arrow. And uh, fill us in and, and do it. Some you'll do things that won't make any noise at all. Right, you know what right. I mean? But you know when you do it. The yeah. other thing he does is wing bone calls. I make wing bone calls. That's taking the three bones out of the wings, and it's a sucking sound. And I wish I'd brought one, but you you yeah. suck in. I've seen those. Instead of yeah. blow oh, yeah. out, you know it's what I mean? Different tone. So, yeah. Different it's tone. Something different. Different. Oh yeah. 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 And sometimes um, my buddy Edwin Shirts at one point when I first started calling with their company, oh. he gave me um, 
I can't remember what it was called, but he gave me a shell. shell. A cog shell. A cog shell. And he a cog doing, shell. He, at competition, he had a cog shell in his hand doing a kiki on the inside of a cog shell. Or oh, a cluck and purr, no, too. Yeah, no way. Cluck and purr. Doing cluck and purr with a cog shell. And... Get a cog. I'm going to Wells yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Oyster. Yeah. Yeah. And he just sent it with sandpaper as long as it's cleaned out properly. So. Yep. But that's just the magic of, of it. And when I went to Grand Nationals in the call-making competition, you'll see decorated calls that look like the combination between, you know, going to Hobby Lobby and combining that with turkey calls. And it's just, you'll be amazed by the amount of creativity people have. I've seen one where a guy literally made a treasure chest based turkey call as seashells and all kinds of art and work. And it's astounding. I mean, without a doubt, you'll be amazed by how much money they could be worth in the future. I love it. Yeah. One of the guys, uh, last time that we were there did a, um, a casket. All right. With the Tom's, skull and everything completely bleached out laying in the casket and it was all wood burn with leaves and decoration and, and all the things on it and he had almost 300 hours in it oh, and um, i think it went for 700 dollars, something like that wow. but it's 300 hours but 300 hours wow. but the thing is is when he signs it and i'll give you guys the same thing if you meet anybody whether it be someone like ed that makes a call for you or does something have them put their name on it and the date yeah, you know, because and ironically, at some point it's gonna be something. It may be it, it, right it when be. that you never know how long that guy's yeah. gonna live. When we were the first year that Ed competed at the Grand Nationals, um, I made him a uh, a call that was like uh, sixty nine. All right, shape nine. All right, yeah. if you hold one end in the upper part in between your fingers, that would leave the tail of it down along the top part of your hand. You could get the kiki at the corner up here. You turn it around and you do the other side, and you could get some wicked helps out of it, right? It's so wild. I'm not so going to tell you what world. I made this out of. Oh, but it's this, a different world, right? I'm not going to tell you what this is made out of. But what happened was, uh, he was showing uh, Michael Waddell one day, and he had Michael Waddell sign it on the back, right? That's awesome. So a little later on, he's walking along and he's doing this and he's showing, and all of a sudden, Jimmy Primos came comes walking over to him and he says, young man, what is that? And he goes, this is a call. I just used my competition. And he starts doing this and doing all the calls. He goes, what's that made out of? He goes, I'm sorry. I can't tell you. He goes, I think you can tell me. Cause he's a, you know, a young yeah. guy. I'm going to get the information out of him. And he goes, yeah, I really can't tell you. Michael Waldell signed it though. Jimmy just turned and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> because They were looking. That's how they find their niche. That's how they find next year's, product line yeah you know what i mean they find something that works something that somebody's doing For some gimmick else. and he was bound and determined a few years ago to buy that um hs strut was it um uh panhandler no 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 not to, it was squealing he, hen. um squealing hen and i told him that doesn't work he goes what do you mean I, I watched the video i said they saw they had a guy sitting down doing a squealing hen and then some turkeys were coming across the field and they took a picture of these turkeys they put the two together you go out through that squealing hen in New Hampshire, and you cut it loose Not with it, Hampshire, and that turkey yeah. is going to be going Ooh, 75 miles an hour in the other direction. <laughs> okay? It might work in Missouri in a big cornfield someplace, yeah. but the bottom line, it was more of a gimmick than a real, yeah. a real piece you're gonna of stuff. Right there, right there you're going to yeah. go. You know what I mean? But um, it, it's those things that, that we fall into that trap, you know? Yeah. And, and I, my it's, best it's, friend. It's fun to do it sometimes. Yeah. Right. My know? best friend gave me the best thing. He said, when you go and you buy a fishing lure that looks like a little small perch and you give $12 for it, is that fish going to eat a worm? <laughs> 
<laughs> I went, he goes, you can you dig know what it is? in the background. You, you know what it is? In the backyard. <laughs> You're selling this because it, the fish, the fisherman likes the picture of the fish, yeah. not the fish. You know what I mean? I went, yeah, you're that's right. So true. You're exactly. That's, that's exactly true. it. We yeah. we buy by what's on site. You know, great point. And um, you know, like as I said, the squealing hen was one of those things that was a gimmick that didn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And time, um, yeah. and so buying some of those and falling into some of those traps. And sometimes you can't adapt. Like it does have, um, it does sound like a coyote whimper at times yeah. or a coyote howl when I use it, either that or an elk bugle. And sometimes some people will try to. Um, not adapt, but try to work the, the two together into a, a different call. Yeah, make a locator call out of it rather than yeah. if they know it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna work. Call somebody in, right? You know, we're getting ready to wrap up here. Uh, can you go through a sequence if you were at a calling competition? Can you just run through uh, something small? Something small, yeah. Let's, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Let's, Basically, what you do when you're at the competition, the day of the competition, you have no idea what the calls are going to be. Oh, they, so they, they give you, you. so they, you don't so have you don't any have idea. A, oh, okay. You have no idea what the call is going to be. So what happens is uh, the calling competition is going to start at one. Okay, at twelve o'clock they post. It's going to be a fly down cackle. It's going to be a fighting purr. It's going to be the uh, uh, yelp of a, of an excited hen, right? And they give you that, and then sometimes it'll be the caller's best call. So you can use whatever you want okay. for a call. So can we one. do that? Exactly right. what you just said. You know, so let's uh, start off. You know, so call him out. Yeah. Why don't you do explain what right. the first call? Out. Call, All right. call out to him. What? All right. So let's say in the first one, let's do um, a fighting purr. How do you do a fighting purr? Now this is a call. A fighting purr is when the Jakes and the Toms or the Jakes fighting for um, uh, dominance. Dominance will start doing this fight. This is an incredible call. When you get a bird that's way out there and he won't come in, he won't do anything, this fighting purr makes him think that I'm going to run over there. It's like rattling deer antlers. This, this is a, the same thing as rattling deer antlers. But this is a fighting purr. All right, that was done with one striker. Now do this like you've done it before at the competition with two. Check this. Check this out. So this is a two striker. Two striker. Record this real quick. So this is double striker here. He's he's using two strikers and, and, and holding the call between his, his knees. Yeah, in his lap. Jeez. Tell me if that, that doesn't get a turn. Yeah, that is awesome. All right. And that's what he did at the competition. That that's what brought pretty. him in big points. Because really? people, people what a difference what a difference it makes between two strikers trying to sound like two separate birds. That sounds exactly. great. You know what I mean? That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Take time. All right. So now do a um uh an excited yelp of a hen. And this is one of the most popular calls I've used in the competition. It's Personally, one of my best calls I use out there for both turkey hunting and calling because, let's face it, you're going to be out there. You're going to get the turkey's attention. You want that galbert to feel excited, a little amped up. So this is how I normally do it.
Now that's on a pot call, a mouth diaphragm call. Was that excited? No. But when you start mixing the two of them so that when you've got one in your mouth and you're doing that and you're doing the other one with a pot call, now you sound like two hens together in an area. I'm telling you, they flip out over that. Because if you can learn to use a mouth call and the pot call or a slate call, now all of a sudden you're not just one turkey. You're beginning to be a part in, of a flock. I brought in some birds like that just by calling, using two hen calls together, a mouth call, diaphragm call, and a pot call, yeah. and bringing the hen to me, right. thinking right. the hen's thinking, oh, what's going on over there, and bringing that big old bird right, right. behind her. Right. Okay. Um, I would try the cluck and purr as well. Do a cluck and purr. All right. Now this is, the cluck and purr is something that's kind of quiet. It's a close-up call. This is a great call to finish when the birds are getting fairly close. It's a, it's a call that you would hear for birds feeding. They're feeding in the leaves. Now, in the morning after you've done a fly-down cackle, right, and he's gobbled back to that, if you do this call and then take a stick and start rustling up the leaves, and if he gobbles twice... Put the third ace on the table. <laughs> he's right. coming in. Because he's coming in. Yeah. Now he thinks that you found a nice little place to find some worms, some little buds and stuff. And uh, he's heard feeding. you. Yeah. yeah, that's like, oh, oh yeah. 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 So any, what, anything else you want to try, Ed, for fly down cackle? or? Uh, oh, and um, don't forget the um, adult hen assembly call. Adult, ooh, go ahead with this. This call is basically in the fall. When you're out hunting and you see a bunch of birds in a field or along a tote road or something of that nature, what you want to do is you don't want to sneak up on them. Instead, what you want to do is hold your gun over your head or your arms out to the side and run at them and screaming bloody murder, and you want the birds to fly in 15 different directions, all right? Wherever they were when they flew away, sit down in that area, and then you're going to start with that kiki run that we were talking about. All right, and what's going to happen is the hen's going to hear you along with everybody else probably 10 minutes after the, that's all happened, 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And if you start giving a bird to answer you back, oh, well, this is working out good. The birds will start coming in. Now, if you start hearing this, this is going to be a hen assembly call. The best thing that I, my suggestion is is you either get between the turkeys coming in and set up or you get up and you go run her off wherever she's gulping from, and then you sit there and you start calling with a kiki. That's a long series of calls right there that you don't usually hear during most of the year simply because I'm over here, where are you? Just like so a long, almost like a, just a long span of a yelp. Yeah, a long span yeah. of a yelp, similar to that. Yeah, I'm just letting them that know that I'm over here. Hen and that she's trying to get all the other turkeys together. Because remember, the day before or just hours before that, they were all together in one big group. And the turkeys in up. the fall look yep. at... There's, there's safety in numbers. There's a lot more eyes to look at danger. There's safety in numbers. And to be honest with you, I really haven't been away from my mom yet. So, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's still pulls. You know? Yeah. All right. So, but we, that we, call also works real well for adult birds. 
Um, I've had a friend of mine that when we used to hunt together, deer hunting, would go, <laughs> and I taught that him to do well. the kiki, right? And uh, we were down to Connecticut bow hunting one time, and I heard, damn, Steve's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. And I whistled back at the same thing, and then around this great big giant boulder, four great big adult long beards come around the corner, scared the snot out of me. <laughs> 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 it wasn't Steve. <laughs> That's oh. funny. All right, we're about out of our time limit, I guess. Um, Let's give some, um, let you do your shout outs. Yeah. Give whoever what you, you want got? a shout out. Whatever. Oh, yeah, big time. Gus um, Nude. Yes, uh, Snoop Brand Official. It's one of the new brands of uh, turkey hunters out there. Snoop Brand Official is where my buddy Joe King is representing Snoop Brand. It's um, basically representation of the snood on the face. And when you go turkey hunting, when you aim below the neck, you can always still shoot them in the snood. It's a great um, apparel. Go and check it out on Instagram, Facebook, and on their website, snowbrand.com. I also want to give a shout-out to um, my buddy Edwin Shirts and Mark Watterson for their amazing calls and Mr. Weenbone's calls where they can help us turn our hunt around. Hopefully this spring when we go out to do some hunting this spring in New Hampshire. I also want to give a great shout-out to um, Alpine Bresser for the amazing optics and scopes that they produce. They do a great job. Rick White is um, one of the main pro staff. You can always contact him with Alpine Bresser. And I'm hoping this spring is going to be a great turkey hunting experience for everybody out there. It's going to be a pretty good spring this year. So I wish everybody luck. We'd love to connect with you guys later on the season just to see how you guys' season is doing and seeing how what tactics you're using are working you for, uh, sure. for you this year. And Yeah. Well, maybe you'll have to invite us over to Maine so we know how to go over Let's there. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Get some film down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all everybody, game. Where can f- people find you on social media? Uh, you can contact me at um, Instagram, 603TurkeyManiac. You can also... Check us out on MrWingBonesCalls.com as well as Mr. Wingbones Official on uh, Instagram. And I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Richard Valley for the amazing mouth calls he produces. He does a great call- job great. with those. So, yeah, be sure to check us out on um, Live Free and Hunt on Instagram. And check me out at 603 Turkey Maniac. If you have any more questions on the calls we produce and what we make with Mr. Wingbones Calls and running game calls, just give us a shout out and a quote, and we'll get back to you. Awesome. Good deal. Hey, we appreciate you guys coming down. We had a blast. This is this has just been a great time. We love meeting new people and just just great. spreading the word of hunting. There you go. That's that's it. what it's you all know, about. That's all right. Well, we'll send it. Let's well, send it. Like See you. Before, pass it on. Pass, pass it, it on. on. Pass it on. Yeah, baby, when we're together. It's like Vegas times three But in the morning I'll know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me Just like a sip of wine Leads me to drink, you're my gateway drug I'm starting to think it's gonna take much more than Just 12 steps So call Betty Ford, call Dr. Drew Save me a bed, cause in a month or two I wanna quit you, girl Just not yet Yeah, baby, when we're together 
the only drug I need But in the morning I know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me Bailing down the road past these city lights You got your hands on the wheel and look in your eyes Myself is a time to slow down, but the night's still young. We're full of gas, credit cards in my pocket with some limit left in. We got friends in the next town. Yeah, baby, when we're together, it's like Vegas. Times three, but in the morning I know better. Cause you're so bad, so bad for me. So bad, so bad for me Oh, cause you're so bad, so bad for me